Hello everyone, this is episode number 121 of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Today's date is February uh, 5th, 2019. I'm Robert Ring. With me are Jacques Totoro. Whoa, hello. And Alex Scott, who you probably know as SNES Drunk. Yo. Alex, good to have you back on. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for joining us. You know, I think we need to do this more often because every time we have you on, especially this time, we automatically get more <laughs> listeners and more <laughs> follow- followers. I said something about it on Twitter, uh, I guess, just the other day, and we instantly got like five or ten more followers. Whoa. So I think That's a good strategy. really cool. Yeah, I think this is a good strategy on my part. I don't know how <laughs> much it benefits you. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so Alex... Stop uh, stealing my followers, man. What are you doing? <laughs> But uh, have you guys been? Well, first off, I guess the real the real question is, how about the Kingdom Hearts three? <laughs> uh, what specifically are you referencing? How about it? The fact that it's out, bro. Oh, okay, I thought you like had something already about it. Like you were gonna say something specific about it. Uh, no, it's here. Okay. You guys pumped or what? <laughs> <laughs> Not really. I, I've watched it a little bit of gameplay. But a lot of people I know are playing it, and they seem to be enjoying it. But I don't know. After the first one, I'm pretty good. I imagine if you're a Kingdom Hearts fan, uh, you you probably like this one. Oh yeah, a lot. Well, I don't know if you'll like it, but the people are super pumped going into it. I'll tell you that much. Um, I've seen a lot of a lot of different opinions on it. Like, really? of course, there's oh, yeah? the Jim Sterling video that's like. Kingdom Hearts 3 is a garbled mess, you know, like of of complete nonsense. And that's, you know, of course, that's going to that's what he's going to say. But um, it might be a garbled mess of of nonsense. But even at like the JRPG Reddit forums, it's like you get people like, what the hell is supposed to be happening in this game? (laughs) (laughs) You get some seriously confused posts. And then the responses are like a thousand words long. And it's just like. Like, okay, there's a lot of uh, rationalization and, <laughs> you know, after the fact kind of uh, not tying here, stri- uh, right. uh, stray and tying, whatever the cliche is. But yeah, so uh, it's it's all over the place. But the, yeah, like you said, there are the people that are into that series are really into it. So good for die them. hard, man. It's crazy. Yeah. It seems like from, you know, and I obviously, <laughs> as we all know, I'm not a huge Kingdom Hearts fan to say the least, but... It seems like the uh, inexplicable nature of the story as it is as it is ongoing is has kind of, again from an outsider's point of view that kind of seems to be just like part of what it is by now and is probably at least halfway on purpose the fact that it's so convoluted and nonsensical like that I can't can I can't imagine huh. That way they could do whatever they want with it. I think so. Or it's like, at the very least, it seems like they're embracing it. And they're just like, oh, yeah, this next one, like, we're not going to even try to make sense, basically. Yeah, it's almost like a band where they're like a jam band. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and it's like, oh, let's let's do a disco song this time. You know, like, let's, <laughs> let's, co- let's cover every genre we can think of. Let's and let's put it all in one 20 minute composition, you know, like one of those kind of. Yeah. Things. Or, you know, actually, th- you say in jam band uh, really makes me like kind of think of jam bands that I like where the lyrics might not make any sense whatsoever. They don't mean anything, <laughs> right. but they're just there to like sound cool or sound funny or whatever. Maybe that's how right. their approach to like writing this script. It's like, <laughs> we don't care how much sense it makes. We're just going to make it seem The gameplay's fun. fun. Yeah, the gameplay's fun <laughs> and the story's fun, even though it doesn't make sense. 
Maybe. Ouch. I, 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 mean, I don't I mean. I, I literally. I don't mean that as an insult. I mean, I I'm mean, a metal. I'm a yeah. Metal Gear Solid fan. Let's let's be honest here <laughs> for a second. But uh, it just seems like that's kind of what it is. And the, I guess the fault that I would say is there are way too many people. It seems like that are that try to that that like like you were just saying, Alex, try to rationalize everything and explain. No, this really does make sense because of this and that. Right. But anyway, um, what about, have you guys been, um, this is not really uh, classic gaming related either, but have you all been keeping up with um, watching any of the Mortal Kombat 11 stuff? No, not at all, actually. A little bit, just here and there. I've seen some of it. Um, just to Just to take a look at what characters are in there, but... It's yeah. not something I'm going to be playing or anything. I won't either, and I haven't been really paying much attention to it, but I have watched like a few of the videos. And it made me feel old because watching the fatalities and stuff, I was kind of like, oh man, oh, I think yeah. they're taking it too far. Like, this is too much. <laughs> like, Well, then the game's just doing its job, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. The game is doing is doing its job, and I, and I 100% think that it should be doing what it's doing and they're doing a great job at what they do but now whereas i used to always be like oh yeah let's come up with the sickest shit we can we can think of now i'm watching like oh i don't really want to play a game that has like (laughs) this kind of fatality like there's one where oh god what does he do he um like i think it's sub-zero but i could even be wrong about that of course he rips the person's head out and the spine is attached but then not only that but somehow or another, during this process, there's a spike somewhere. And he grabs the spine by, like, the other end and swings it around and, like, swings it to where the head, like, plants into the spike. Oh. And I was just like, holy shit. And there's one where, like, so, I think it was Baraka hits somebody in the back of the head or something like that so hard that the front of their face flies off and their brain comes out. <laughs> it's very cartoony. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I, I don't fault them at all. I'm not saying they shouldn't do this by any means. I think it's, you know, definitely there's a, a very fun aspect there. It's like, oh, yeah, just go all out and come up with the most creative things you can think of. But just on a personal level, it's just like, ooh, I don't like, I don't like this anymore. <laughs> well, plus when we were kids. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you're good. Go for it. Uh, when we were kids, you know, it's and we see these these brutal finishers. We are seeing them for the first time, but grant, it, we're also seeing them on CRT screens in sixteen bit graphics. Whereas now they're doing this like hyper slow mo, super zoom in X ray uh-huh. vision stuff, and it's, it is kind of like, all right, that's a bit much. Yeah, yeah. Man, I kind of want to see how bad it is. I mean, I would. I'm not a huge person for seeing stuff like that, so I'd, I'd probably be in the same boat. Yeah, I was gonna. You should check it out. I was gonna say I've been watching a lot of DBZ again recently for as in terms of <laughs> really? That is so fun to watch in tournaments, dude. It's so fun to watch those. Guys oh, you've been it. watching the the uh, Dragon Ball Fighters or Dragon yeah. Ball Fighters Z or yeah, Z. Yeah. yeah, it's so fun to watch because it's just like if because I've never I've, I've played for you know a couple hours at most, but it's just so cool to watch people do because it, it looks like a real fight. Like from the actual anime, just because of how how good they are at it. Uh huh. I love yeah. watching that game. It's, it's supposed. To, I've seen yeah. a little bit of it. It's supposed to be a really good game. If you if you could like have your your I didn't grow up watching D, DBZ or anything, oh. but if you yeah. c- could, I'd imagine if you could like have your child self see that game, you'd oh yeah lose your mind. Your like mind oh my god, melts. it's like you're playing the 
playing the anime. Oh like, man, and imagine like it looking that good as well. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think that would that would blow any kid's mind away back you know, 15, <laughs> 20 years ago. Um. Well, before we move on and talk about actual news, which well, I can, there's only one really other thing. So let's go ahead and do that, and then I want to talk about uh, SNES drunk for a second. But uh, I guess the only other thing I had, which is only real actual news and even this also is not very uh is only kind of tangentially classic related is uh metroid prime 4 i don't know if you guys heard about this but um uh, nintendo basically said yeah it wasn't turning out the way we wanted it to so we're really sorry but we're gonna we're scrapping everything and we're starting all the way over so it's gonna be a long time before it comes out ouch yeah um basically all of the reactions that I saw were kind of the same as my own, which was, yeah, this sucks, but I'm glad that they're doing this and not just going to release a, you know, an, an, an only okay game just because that's what they have. You know, right. everybody's like, I'd rather get this really late than get it, you know, now or, or you know, or then get it earlier and it not be very good. Yeah. So, yeah, I think everybody seems to agree, um, but it obviously it still does kind of suck that uh, it's like, wow, that's kind of a big thing. It really must have not been going well if they were just scrapping everything. It's interesting that they're doing that with Metroid since a lot of, I think some people have the perception that Metroid's been kind of ignored by yeah. uh, N- Nintendo. So it's like, okay, we need to get this right. So that's that part of it is a little uh, interesting, I guess. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, you're right. Um, so anyway, that's that's the only news thing I've got. Um, uh, wasn't there something I was gonna say? We we talked about this last time. Didn't Bethesda do something stupid again recently? And I can't even there keep something... up with Bethesda anymore. <laughs> oh man, I, I I figured you would know, but I saw I saw something about it recently. Oh, I, I'll, I'll try to see if I can find it. I know they are basically trying to give away Fallout seventy six. Like it, I think it's in Germany. <laughs> Ugh. You can buy a controller and they'll give the game for oh, free. No, no. I, I did see that. There's a post. You can buy a used controller and get the game for free. Forty one percent liked. Holy crap, that game. Oof. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyways, I'll see if I can find. It. I just yeah. know it was something. They did something really bad I, again. I'd love to hear it if they did something else bad. So let us know if you find, if you do that up. Um, so before we start talking about games, let's talk about SNES drunk. Alex, of course, you run uh, the YouTube channel SNES Drunk. Some might say that you are SNES Drunk himself. Uh-huh. Uh, how's how's the channel been going? Really well. Uh, the video that posted today uh, has, is getting a really big response, which is um, always a lot of fun. Um, and it's the video where, uh, you know, this, is, this will probably post like, you know, I don't know, a week from now or however long it takes, but... Uh, the video I'm talking about is uh, busting and or confirming uh, Super Nintendo myths. And it's Ooh. where I just go over kind of stuff where you might hear it like as a kid. Like, oh, my dad's cousin works at Squaresoft and he says that <laughs> such and such and such. You know, the silly schoolyard yeah. stuff that you, there was always a kid. Um, for example, uh, I talk about it in the video where I, there was a kid in my sixth grade class named Tom who <laughs> who, who swore up and down that he beat Vile at the beginning of Mega Man X. And I'm like, there's no freaking way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, sure enough, I found out later in the comments um, that you, there is actually a, a Game Genie code for Mega Man X that you can put in for 
invincibility and you can sit there and fight vile at the beginning of the game for like as long as you want as for an hour two hours you can't kill him you can't beat him yeah yeah oh it's uh you that that's a bunch of crap so anybody that says they beat vile -uh, uh, never happened so nope but then there's also stuff that um you know, I, th- I thought it would be fun to point out stuff that sounds ridiculous, <laughs> like uh, you know, Mega Man, same same uh, f- company as uh, Street Fighter Two, Capcom, and there, in fact, is a way to get X the Hadoken Fireball, and not only that, it's really freaking powerful and it wipes out uh, Mavericks in one hit. So that's kind of amazing. And also the way that you, we were talking about this earlier. Um, the way that you do it, it's also like, it sounds incredibly hokey. Oh yeah. Like on the surface, it sounds like, okay, all right. Yeah. There's, there's no freaking way. Oh, it's actually in the game and there's a way to do it. And like you die, you have to die five. Well, you don't have to die five times. It's just what I always did to, to get that, to unlock that. I guess you can actually go to the start menu and, uh, exit the level that way. It's just easier to just jump off the cliff. But um and just die. But um yeah, there's other stuff in there. Like I, I talk about Mortal Kombat. Um and then there's also uh what what kind of inspired me was um this thing this weird instance I had playing Madden ninety five. <laughs> this is the best part of the whole video. <laughs> <laughs> I, and my brother can attest to this too because he ran into the same thing. Um, we're playing. <laughs> they had a se- That's when they had a season mode. It was the year before the front office mode, but they still had a season mode hmm. in ni- Mad ninety five. I'm playing a playoff game. I'm running out the clock, and it it's a one score game. That's the cl- that's the key. It's got to be like the computer still has to have has to have a chance to win. And then uh, the computer uses all their timeouts to stop the clock, so they can try and stop me and get the ball back. And then they start like using extra timeouts. <laughs> only the way it's displayed on the screen, it says they're calling a team instead of calling a timeout. <laughs> so it says, like, for instance, I was playing Los Angeles, and it says Los Angeles calls Oakland. <laughs> what? <laughs> it was one of the weirdest glitches I've ever seen. It's like, what kind of glitch? Yeah, how and, does that happen? <laughs> yeah, so the computer essentially had endless timeout, unlimited timeouts. Well, they get, like, so, what, 20, 26 or <laughs> like, 20 however many? <laughs> So it was pretty amazing. It was I couldn't believe it when I was a kid. Like I, I thought it was huh. like seeing stuff. And then sure enough, like I went to tell my brother at the time, and he's like, "Oh, did you run into the era where it says computer calls Jaguars and computer calls Panthers?" <laughs> he's like super mad. That's so funny. And it's so funny because it shows the picture of like John Madden sitting there. <laughs> it just says like Los Angeles calls Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it just and the, the the not only that but like i was like i wonder if i can recreate that and sure enough i w- i was able to do it so <laughs> it's a thing that's it's just in the game code so yeah just <laughs> somehow I, it's one of the damnedest things i ever saw it's st- it makes me laugh though when i see it I was, as long as i'm still able to win the game <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh it's no it's hilarious um <laughs> Uh, so sounds like the channel's going really well, and uh, you are continuing, conti- continuing, continuing to <laughs> what you do Use one one SNES video and one other video every week, right? Yeah, it, it's funny because you know this video is doing really well, and then I'm following it up on Thursday with a with a video talking about Yonoid for NES. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah, it was a Patreon request, and it was easy, so I was like, oh, I'll talk about this game for three minutes. 
Awesome. <laughs> all right, cool. Well, uh, if that's all you got for us, I think it's yep. time to uh, talk about the games we've been playing. Uh, I'm going to roll some dice here. Looks like Jay's going to go first. Awesome. Uh, let's see. Let me pull up my notes here. Just kidding. Um, so for this episode, uh, I played actually two RTSs, uh, two of which, one, one I've talked about recently and then one I talked about, uh, I think, like several months ago. Uh, so as I talked about you earlier not, on... You better not name a turn-based strategy game right now. <laughs> uh, no, definitely not. Okay. Trust me. But it is turn-based. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um so as I talked about earlier this year and late last year, uh, my younger brother and I have been knocking out some old games that we played uh, as, a, as children. And, and specifically, there was one game he kept pushing me to play, which was Bullfrog's Populous. Uh, the Beginning the, is the name of it, which is actually the third installment of the game. Um, there were two ones prior to this, which I think I played the second one uh, late last year for the podcast, and it was not very good. Mm-hmm. But this one I've talked about a few times as, as a game that I hold very highly. Uh, so this game came out in 98 uh, by Bullfrog, which, you know, obviously I've talked about a couple different Bullfrog games uh, before a few times, like Dungeon Keepers. Um, I think even Theme Hospital is Bullfrog, correct? Uh, yes, that is, too. And I think you talked about the first Populous game uh, a long time ago. Oh, so I've played all three, then? I think so, yeah. The first two are, are rough. Maybe yeah, you definitely... Oh, the, I thought you liked the first one. I could. Be, so I this is the one. third one. Yeah, uh, yeah, this I is the think... third one. I'll have to double check because I know the the one I played recently. I think was the second one. That one was really yeah. Rough. I remember you saying that one was terrible. Yeah. Um, so this anyway. one, this game, I, I've played through a few times. But the reason I play, I wanted to play this again is because I wanted to beat it because I haven't beat it in a little bit, and I generally beat uh, certain games once a year just because I just have to. I don't know what it is. It's just every once in a while I get in the mood. Um, and the second thing is I talked about this last time is that somebody created a community project. Uh, because they wanted to add more, uh, a further campaign to the game, but they wanted to make it more difficult. Um, and so it's actually called Undiscovered Worlds. So if anybody likes Populous or likes old school RTSs and wants a little bit more of a challenge, uh, this team of people, I don't know how many people are involved, but it's like a community-driven thing. Uh, they have a website and everything where they added, like I think it's 12 uh, full-length levels. And they actually get pretty challenging. Wow. I, I played through all 12 levels. I, so I beat the regular game. Um, and I beat this as well. And this one actually took me quite a while. Um, they added some slight changes to mechanics. They uh, made the AI a, a relatively smarter. Uh, you know, normally when you when you play against more difficult AI and RTSs, all they do is get more stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, they get more stuff in the beginning, and they try to attack you once, and then they or like fail. they mine money faster or something. Or they have different technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the AI in this, they there are certain levels that I played where they're just relentless, and in, in a lot of cases, so Populous is. Um, you're playing a shaman and you have a tribe. And as you macro through the game, you get more, further followers, which gives you more mana. And mana can be used to sort of queue up spells. So in order to use a spell, you have to queue it up, the bar finishes, and then you can use it. Uh, there's things like fireball, there's stealth or invisibility, there's tornado, there's giant things like volcano, which obviously takes more mana to invest in order to use. Um, the main spells you use are... I don't actually know what one of them is called. I just know what the, the shaman says. But it allows you to convert wildmen, which are like these neutral neutral um, humanoids that are walking around the map. You convert them to your side. Uh, there's a fireball, which essentially does single... It can either do single target or AoE damage, uh, depending on how you shoot it. Um, and then lightning. Lightning's the big one, because you can use it to one-shot uh, people in buildings, which is very useful. And you can also use it to one-shot other shamans. And when you kill a, an opponent shaman, you get a huge influx of mana for a short amount of time. 
So if you kill their shaman, one, their shaman's out of picture for, I don't even know how long, it's like 60 to 70 seconds or so. Um, and you also get a huge influx of mana, so you can research some pretty powerful spells real quick and then use them to demolish the base. Uh, and so you can, your, your tribesmen build buildings like houses, and here's the great part about this game. Um, all of your followers are men, but when you combine them into one house, they reproduce. So, <laughs> so as you're progressing through the game, you essentially uh, pack these houses full of men, they reproduce, and then over time, uh, they'll actually Steam upgrade the house. <laughs> and then you get guy stuff, and then like there's this like white comes flash. To visit. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Stork comes, um, and so as as they uh, are sitting in the house, it's basically just like using time over after a while to start upgrading the house. And they'll make it bigger and bigger, and more dudes can fit in there, which allows you to reproduce even faster. <laughs> um, that's the real simplistic macro aspect of this game. Okay. Um, and then you can build training facilities like a preacher hut, which builds these preachers that walk around the map. And if they run into opponent's minions, they will convert them onto your side. Um, and it takes a few minutes for your your uh, dude to convert them. Uh, there's warriors, which is just obviously that. They're very strong melee type. And then there's fire warriors, uh, which are ranged units. They literally have fireballs in their hands and they point them at somebody and just throw the fireballs at them. And it's really fun. And, it, it, and when you get enough of them going, like if you have like 30 of them and you shoot somebody, uh, they fly up in the air, right? But if you hit, your fireballs will keep hitting them because they were in the missile was in progress as they were got launched in the air. So it'll literally shoot them and keep hitting them, keep hitting them. And I've had, th I've had creatures do a full 360 around the map. Like they've gone <laughs> from one side of the map all the way around to, and then come back around and land next to me just because it was just so much damage uh, at the same time. Wow. So fireball or the, the fire warriors are really cool. And the last one is spies, which spies are actually, I would love to see these used in multiplayer, but essentially what you do is you research them. They're very weak. I think they're actually weaker than the builders in combat. But what they can do is as you're walking to your opponent's base, you can click on your spies and then you can click on the color of your opponent. And then your spies actually will infiltrate because they'll, they'll be identified as the opponent's minion. They'll walk into their base and then you can set their buildings on fire. And if you do that to keep key uh, structures such as like the, the fire warrior training, the warrior training, uh, even houses in certain cases, uh, what it ends up doing is, is it, it forces the building to, it can't be used. It has to be repaired. So if you do that, like at a critical time, right before you're about to attack or something, and you have like a large force, it more or less delays them from, from composing an army. Generally speaking, <laughs> against the AI, it's not that great, especially when you play against the harder AI, because as you can imagine, they see them coming. Like the second you enter their base, they start oh, clicking. Right. Yeah, and they'll they'll uh, more or less alert their team or their their units that you're coming. Uh, but when they do it against you, it's really frustrating because essentially you start getting paranoid if it happens often, and you're just like clicking on random dudes in your base, and you're like, "Are you a spy? Are you a spy?" Because you have to right click on them, so you're oh, just really? clicking all these dudes in your base. Like, are you a spy? And sometimes <laughs> you're right, but most of the time you're not. Um, so what is great about this game? So the uh, ab ability to travel around the map is very fun because you can essentially walk, you can walk around. Um, there's a spell that the shaman has. Wait, so, you, that... so, sorry, do you control like a specific person that is like supposed to represent the player? Um, you control the shaman and then you also control your entire tribe. Okay. So is the shaman we... more or less supposed to kind of be like you? Yeah, kind of. I mean, in the main story, that's that's who you're playing as. Yeah, okay. and then the the army is just there to sort of sort of back you up. Okay. Um, so you have some pretty cool spells. So as I was kind of talking about, you're playing on a globe, right? So uh, just that's a reach, right? But you can essentially like uh, you can hit enter, and it does like a zoom out, almost like a from space point of view. And you can sort of look around the look around the planet. You can see where the land is, where your opponent is. You can see more or less where their army's going. And so what you can do is you can actually build land. So you can 
constantly just keep building land. And there's some really funny things you can do with it. Because um, there's one spell in particular that if you use it on land, it expands it in a circular, um, outward circular motion. But if you do it on water, it does the same thing. So you can drop, uh, you can eliminate land. And if the, your opponent is nearby, anything that touches water that's a humanoid just dies. So if their entire army is walking across like a thin bridge or something, you can eliminate the bridge and just drown their entire army and win. And it's super <laughs> funny to do something because you can travel using boats and using uh, hot air balloons. And the hot air balloons are super fun because you you have no threat of dying if you do something stupid because you can just kind of fly away if, if something bad happens. Um, huh. But the reason this game is so fun is it it goes from 0 to 100. So you're sort of macroing early on. And this is, this is more sort of towards the later half, I would say, of the actual campaigns, is you build up this big army, and then you essentially just have this all-out combat where there's just all these units fighting everywhere, and then your shamans are trying to kill each other before the other one can kill you, and then use your, your larger spells like Volcano, which Volcano does so much damage, it destroys a ton of buildings, and it burns the ground so you can't build on it. So if somebody lays down a Volcano in your, in your main area, it's very difficult for you to recover because you can't, you can't build anything. So there's some other cool spells that are in the game, like there's Swamp. You throw it on the Swamp, and if anything walks into it, it dies. And it, it does it for 10 bodies. So essentially, if you throw it in a choke point and they're walking up, they just drop really quickly. And then the last one, um, well, I don't know what it's actually... Oh, it's called Angel of Death. <laughs> this is a fun one. So essentially, this spell takes forever. It's a ton of mana to research, so rarely does it happen. But you summon it, and it summons this Angel of Death. It's like this lizard this flying lizard looking creature with no eyes that breathes fire and it essentially hunts their shaman down on the map and kills her <laughs> over and over and over and over every time she spawns it goes to her it picks her up it eats her and then shoots her shoots her and spits her out and she dies and it'll sit there and kill his army too or his base and it's very difficult to it's it's generally just a duration type spell so after a little while it'll just kind of go away but man, it's brutal sometimes because you're, you're trying to recover and then your shaman gets picked off by this thing and dies. And then she attacks at the same time and your shaman's not there to help defend. It just gets, it can get really, really messy. And the very last spell I want to talk about, because this is my favorite one. This is the reason why I end up playing this game a lot. It's called Armageddon. And Armageddon is the coolest thing in the world. So essentially when you cast it, it creates this dome and everybody's army is summoned inside this dome. And you just run at each other. And whoever survives wins. <laughs> and it is the most fun thing to do because essentially wow, you max out your awesome. army. Hey, here, let me show, it does show sound you awesome. This. What do you mean by my mic for a second? I just want to find this. Hold on a second. Yeah, I've only played the first uh, Populous game. Oh, have you? And I, I played the, the Super Nintendo version. And, uh, oh, really? Pretty How was that? Oh, it's really, 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 really slow, incredibly limited, and cryptic, so, and... Oh, really? <laughs> pretty much Yeah, you're going to want to play think. the PC, like... I Go think to they four minutes. Re redid it. Good. So essentially, you cast a spell, and... You haven't linked strategy... anything. Oh, sorry, I put in the wrong one. I'm sorry, I put in the wrong chat. Uh, where are you guys? Here. Yeah, so you essentially want to build up, like, a really powerful army, and then cast this, and just try to try to win just having the most powerful army. And when I did this both times, I completely decimated the opposition. It was so funny to watch. Still waiting on that link. I put it in here. Look, it's in Classic Gaming Podcast. I linked it twice in here. Did it not go through? Alex, do you it's see it? It's in the 100. Uh, oh, you put it in the... Oh, okay, actually. actually. Okay. I was going to say, like, I'm like... Put go to what, sure, like, what time? Uh, four minutes and five seconds. 4.05. Yeah. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <That> looks... <laughs> I love the way they they seem to, they're like all like psyching themselves up. Yeah, they start chanting and cheering and stuff. 
This game looks better than I expected. How old um, was it? When did you say it came out? 98. 90. Oh, 90. Okay, never mind then. Yeah, it definitely has that like late 90s. Yeah, I thought this was a lot older vibe. for some reason. What I love too is like each shaman has their own tone or like the way oh, they cast spells. Man. And it's so fun to listen to them because all the spells have unique, like basically made up words for them. Is this, um, what did you play this on? Like, did you, did you just, PC. A, did you just, do you just have a ROM for it or did you get it on sale? Oh, no, I well? actually got on GOG. I got on GOG one time when it was on sale because I, I play this game every so often and mm-hmm. I was just like, eh, I really want to play it again. So I bought it when it was on sale one time. Huh. Um, I just That's pretty cool. Finish up. It's it's very fun. I mean, it's it's it really is easy to kind of get into because my brother, so my brother's not that great at RTSs. So we tried the the community driven one, which was a little bit too challenging for him. So we played through this as well. He played through this, and I rushed through this. But um, it's it's really well done because it kind of eases you into it, so you get an understanding of how the game works and how the how the different mechanics work. Because um, in every level, there's like extra spells that you can find that are one offs, so you can like strategically go for those and then kill your opponent. And there's there's some pretty cool elements to it. Uh, but I just want to say the the Undiscovered Worlds, which is this community-driven project, was excellent. It's really well done. The balance is very fun. It's challenging. Um, you can't just sit back and macro super hard and then just run at them. Like They will constantly put pressure on you. So hmm. I just want to say it's very well done. So thank you to whoever whoever designed that. And anybody who's a fan of Populous at the beginning, definitely recommend checking it out because it was at least probably 15, 20 hours of gameplay. Uh, certain wow. levels were like over an hour, I, th- I think. I think that's probably right. Nice. Yeah, so it's a super, super fun playthrough. And the, the second game I played, sorry. To, actually, do you want me to talk about this next time, Robert? No, go ahead. Okay. Um, I played through Lords of the Realm 2 again, which is um, another sort of strategy-based game where you sort of have like the Heroes of Might Magic outer world type aspect of it. And when you get in combat, it's a real-time strategy. Um, and I found this, I, I played it uh, last year for the podcast, and I, I imagine I was probably somewhere in the middle with it. And I would say this time I was kind of on the lower end uh, of just not really liking it that much. The hmm. mechanics of the game were too simplistic, and I found a very easy way to sort of progress through each turn in the best manner. Like, I basically found the, the most efficient way to get to the end of the level as possible. And the actual combat, you can't micro once your units are engaged. So you're basically trying to time your units to engage where your tanks are in the front, your assassins are going for their sort of range-type units, and then your ranged units are protected. And if you mess it up, you can't really correct it because once your units are engaged with each other... So, like, once you let them go, they're off the leash. Um, it's more of once they actually get in melee combat, which Populous actually has the same issue. When you engage in melee combat, the second you start fighting something, you can't disengage. Hmm. You have to use spells hmm. um, generally, so that kind of eliminates the mechanic to it. So Lords of the Realm was, was a little bit too easy, uh, which was kind of disappointing, but... Yeah, I'm not going to go too much into it because I, I could talk about it for a while. But. So this one, you know, it sounds like there's not a whole lot to say about it besides it was just kind of... Yeah, it, eh. it's okay. It's, it's yeah, I think that's probably the best way to put it. Just meh. Okay. Wouldn't recommend. A populist game looks great, though. Yeah, yeah, if you haven't tried it before, I mean, it's... I, I don't know if it's just because I have so much nostalgia with it and I played through it so many times that I like it so much, but every time I play it, I'm just, I have so much fun doing it. Like the buildings are super fun. Uh, the different structures are, are really unique. The campaign's fun and it's, it's certain levels you don't have a base. So you have to be very strategic with your units and stuff and ah. your spells. And it, it's a very, very challenging game. There are some really frustrating mechanics about, about the game, like the water thing I talked about where if you fall in the water, you die. Because if you get in combat sometimes, like when units are melee fighting, they'll push each other. And if you get pushed a- in the water, you just die. <laughs> That's every populist game, though, isn't it? Like, yeah. I, in the it's first like, game, you can just like, just like, okay, bye. You're gonna drown now. It's just brutal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
That okay. does look good, though. Yeah, it really does. All right, uh, Alex, why don't you go next? What you been playing? Um, I have been playing lately this week uh, the English patch translation of Super Famicom Wars, otherwise known as the fourth game in the Wars series, the precursor to Advance Wars for Advance Ooh. for Game Boy Advance. Oh, really? So, yeah, it's a turn-based, uh, you know, like military strategy tactical game. Um, the patch was just finished, I think, last summer. I want to say sometime last year. And uh, who, the, the guy that worked on it or the team that worked on it, I want to say it's just one dude. But uh, whoever worked on it did an amazing job because there's a lot of text in this game. Uh, it's one of the, it's, it's very, very user-friendly um, where you pull up any uh, bit of terrain on the map. You pull up any... Uh, unit out there any enemy unit and you can get like a whole bunch of information interesting even including like even like a little blurb underneath and yeah this is a freaking super famicom game so it's pretty pretty advanced for i mean it it did come out in 98 it's it's got it's one of those games that came out super (laughs) duper late in the lifespan but um it's got all all sorts of little cute little animations it does have the same like personality and vibe as uh advanced wars does um but yeah it and there's also what's interesting about it is that there's no campaign there's no um story or or anything it's just battles it's just one-on-one and there's a different seven different people you can pick from as your commanding officer and each of the seven are based on a real historical figure and they're hilarious because they are like billy gates (laughs) to name one (laughs) And then there's 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 a couple that are vague like Caroline and um, another one, but then there's also a guy named Hitler. Hitler. And it's spelled H E T L E R. And he's this little happy anime. Yeah, he's he, oh of course yeah he looks you know like a happy little anime S D Hitler. Oh my god. It's, pre- it's pretty amazing. Wow. But um yeah I can't believe. <laughs> <laughs> they, there's uh, I think there's Mus- uh, Mussolini in there too um, <laughs> so they've got yeah they've got all their bases covered when it comes to that war anyway but um, <laughs> Jeez. it's pretty it's pretty funny though no it's it's a it's a pretty well-made game I, I will say if you're used to it's kind of like playing SimCity for Super Nintendo and then when you're used to playing like SimCity like 2000 or 3000 mm-hmm. like going backwards can be tough with those kinds of games but um, so if you're used to playing like Advanced Wars and having all those different units and all those options, like going back to this game will be tough because it's like, well, why can't I? I'm used to doing this as part of my strategy and it's yeah. not even in the game at all. But um, it still has a lot to it. Um, like it, it still has the uh, where you take over a laboratory and you can create it like uh, a, what's called a proto tank, just like this unkillable super tank. Basically, it's with tons of range and huge firepower and um it's really slowly paced unfortunately uh the battles tend to take forever especially depending on the map uh the biggest flaw is probably the map design in this game is just like (laughs) i swear some of these battles can take like three four hours if you really wanted to yeah it's really slow it's and it's most of it is because the maps are so freaking huge um, so it takes forever to get these little mech, you know, your infantry and these little mech guys and your tanks all the way to to the other side after creating them. So it gets that's part of it's frustrating, but 
Um, it's still a good game. Um, really well made. Like, you know, it's uh, it's surprising amount of depth. I would is is what catches me off guard the most. Uh, so I'm having a good time playing it. And it well, I'm sorry, what was the name of it again? Oh, Super Famicom Wars. Super Famicom. Okay, that's that's what I thought I had. That's what I had in my head. But I was like, no, that can't be what it was called. That's a very strange title. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, and I guess you know I never thought of it before, but yeah, that's why Advance Wars is called Advance Wars because it's Game Boy uh, Advance yeah, Wars. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. So it's like I guess. Oh that wow. Makes sense. Yeah, and the the first game in the series I think is just called Famicom Wars. Oh, there's there's another one, really. Yeah, and there's a couple for Game Boy too. Game Boy Wars. I don't think they're called that. Though. I think they got Boy a Wars. more <laughs> Damn. refined title after that. They might be called Game Boy. I don't remember off the top of my head, but. Yeah. If there was a, you know, this, that's kind of funny because I, I mean, they're the only. Um, I mean, I've kind of thought about this before, but I've never really given it much thought. Nintendo is like the only company that includes the like the name of their system in the name of their games. If you think about like Super Mario World, Super Metroid, uh, Super Castlevania, and then like right. Mario sixty four, yeah. uh, and then the sixty four debacle. All every game has to be sixty four. <laughs> That's uh, and it, you know, even up until uh, like even I don't know if they've done it on Switch. They may, they very well may have, but even like Wii U had games like Super Mario Brothers U or whatever it was called. It was Wii something Sports. like that. Wii Sports, huh? Right. That's weird, Nintendo. Yeah, that's weird, Nintendo. <laughs> Although I think PlayStation did have what? What was the racing game they did? Wasn't it like uh, PlayStation All Stars or something like that? I don't remember that. Yeah, I was oh. gonna say. Let me see if I can find it. Maybe it's not called that at all, but yeah playstation all-stars battle royal for ps3 oh that and was the one that was, that was like the, the fighting Super game smash brothers kind of yeah like thing yeah, yeah, yeah okay yeah but i just thought it was odd that like oh they're it's actually called playstation all-stars yeah because i think that one was i think that one was because it was it was all characters from playstation games I believe. yeah like so it's that one little... kind of makes sense in a way whereas Nintendo is just like everything that comes out. We're gonna put the word "super" on it, or we're gonna put sixty-four on yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I want to say there was a racing game too, but I guess maybe not. I don't remember what it would have been called. But hmm. oh well. Oh well. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I've I've never heard of that game. I I didn't know that there was a pre. Uh, Advance Wars game, and yeah, less did I know that there were two of them. Uh, there is a bunch of them. There, Game Boy Color had a couple too. Oh, that's right. You said Game Boy. There were some Game Boys. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's uh, this is. I think Advance Wars is actually like the <clears throat> seventh or eighth game in the, in the series <laughs> overall. So they'd been at it that's for a crazy. while. I had no idea. All right, sweet. Uh, is that all you've got? Yep. All right, I have uh, three games, and so one of my um. New Year's resolutions was to play more sports games this year because they've been somewhat neglected on this podcast in the past. So with that in mind, and also, Alex, with you coming on, I know you're a big sports fan in general. Uh, I was like, let's do let's do all sports games this time. So I'm going to go through them in uh, chron- chronological order. The first one I played 
was NES Open Tournament Golf. 19... Oh, nice. I like that one. Do you? 1987. Um, I didn't like this one. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. What? Uh, so... To me, it was just very simplistic, which of course it's going to be because it's a golf game yeah. on the NES. There's only so much that you can do, but like, I don't really know what it was specifically. It's the, it's kind of difficult for me. I thought the graphics were kind of bad, you know, even for NES. Yeah, uh, the graphics are definitely bad. Okay. I'm glad that wasn't just me, but yeah, I, th- <laughs> I felt like the graphics were bad. And when you're swinging the meter, the little meter that you have to hit, um, you know, when it goes up to the top and then when it goes back to the line, uh, goes super fast. So uh, yep. that really took a while to get down the timing on that. And then, like, aside from that, it's just a regular, you know, old school golf game where you are choosing which club you want to use. And then you start off the hole. It kind of gives you more or less like a like a bird's eye view of the hole. Um, but you also see your, like, on a kind of like a different part of the screen, you see your, your uh, character, Mario, uh, hitting the ball. And then, like... Uh, you can choose whether you kind of want to hit the top of the ball or right in the middle or the bottom of the ball. Um, I don't Which really know. I, Go ahead. I have to say is like way too much detail for an NES golf game. <laughs> like you do not need to be doing that kind of stuff in NES golf. I mean, come on. I mean, yeah, it's true. Uh, and I, spe- I specifically don't know really, and maybe you do because I know you know about golf, um, but I don't know why you would ever want to hit the top of it specifically. I know I can understand. To keep the- it out of the wind. If it's really oh, okay, does that game have wind? I don't I think so. Oh, okay. Well, typically it's to keep the ball low so the wind won't take it. Okay. But if there's no wind in the game, then yeah, there's no point in doing that. Um, and then just kind of, so you know, that's it, and you're you're aiming and kind of like looking at where you where you're uh, you know, whether you know which direction you need to you you want to try to aim to try to stay, you know, <clears throat> on the green and away from sand bunkers and stuff like that picking which clubs you want to use typical kind of golf game stuff. And then it's pretty much like, yeah, hit it. Try to try to do your best to hit it on the line without it going past. Cause you'll probably miss it most of the time. Cause it goes so damn fast and then just keep doing that until you get in the hole. And that's kind of the whole game. What, what do you, what do you like about this one? I just like golf games to be honest with you. Like <laughs> okay. I love all golf games. Like they're going all the way back to like Fuji golf as part of the windows 3.1 entertainment pack. Wow. Which is like such a crappy, like unplayable, like just garbage, you know, little pre-flash game, basically. Um, I like Mario Golf or it's N64, like every iteration of Mario Golf I love. Um, Microsoft Golf for PC back in the mid '90s, love that. I would still play that now if I could, if I <clears throat> if I had like a a, a way to play it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, even um, I will say I do like the original black box golf better than the nes open tournament golf with the with the whole mario theme that one i agree with you where the the meter is frustratingly too fast Mm -hmm. um i think the other game the 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 black box uh regular golf is i wondered about that one because i haven't played that one it's even simpler um if you can believe that (laughs) wow but it's there's a simplicity to it i like it's almost like playing a card game i guess in a a way where it's just like you shut your mind off and you just do that for you know 20 minutes or so or for nine holes or whatever but Mm -hmm. yeah i've always been huge into golf games and i yeah nes open isn't the best but eh, but it's golf so you like it 
Yeah, it's one of those games I'll, I'll play like once a once a year or once every couple of years for like you know twenty minutes or so, and then kind of forget about it. But well, the second game I played was also a golf game on yeah. NES. Oh my gosh! It was not um, black box golf. I, I wanted to play two. I wanted to play another one because uh, partly because this second one was one that I used to play a lot when I was little, and also I was kind of interested to see like. How much variance there can be between two NES golf games? The answer is not very much at all. <laughs> However, I did like this one a little bit more. This was uh, Lee Trevino's Fighting Golf. <laughs> you mean not Lee Carvalho's golf? Or yeah, that's from the, the Simpsons. The Simpsons thing. So you've played this, I take it? Uh, I don't have any real memories of it um i i I only remember the cover art if that makes sense i was like oh yeah really you know has a a golf game (laughs) isn't it like super generic cover art yeah yeah it's it's, funny that you specifically remember the the art yeah it was always for rent anytime me and my okay okay um i didn't have an nes i had to tag along with my friend and like kind of convince him and we we weren't gonna ever rent lee trevino's fighting golf i'm sorry but but yeah, no, um, looking at it now, um, it does look a heck of a lot. But oh, there is wind in this game. Um, I got surprised so, yeah. by that. <laughs> there is wind. Um, and both games do have um, like slopes on the greens as well, which oh, is which is sure. fairly impressive, you know, considering these are like some of the first golf games ever made. Right. Um, I'm pretty sure that when I got this game uh when i was little that i thought there was actually fighting in it because it's called fighting golf i was like oh that sounds cool but it's just golf (laughs) there's no fighting no fighting supposedly i don't i don't know supposedly uh that was like a problem with the translation from japanese but i don't know if that's true or not that's what wikipedia says but i'm not really sure if i necessarily believe that because well i don't know who knows but um this one i liked a little bit more even though it's essentially it's almost you know like exactly the same uh the first off the game looks better uh also it's a little bit more manageable as far as the meter goes the meter works exactly the same way you press it once he swings then it, then the meter builds up. You try to hit it as close to the end as you can, if you want to, you know, hit it as hard as you can. Some, you know, obviously if you're really close and you, then you only want to hit it halfway or whatever, then it starts going back to the other direction. And there's a, a little line that you try to get it to line up with and hit it as close to that as you can. Uh, and that determines how straight he hits it, you know, in comparison to where you're aiming. Just like uh, NES turn, open tournament golf. This one, like I said, though, the meter. It's not like super slow or anything, but it's not like crazy fast either. So it's, I feel like it's a much more fair meter uh, to try to, to try to, to try to manage. Mm. Um, also, just like the other one, you can, you know, you pick your glove, uh, your, your gloves, your clubs on any given uh, hit and all that. You don't get to pick where on the ball you're hitting it, but that's okay with me. <laughs> um, and... Uh, this one, you know, I didn't, I wasn't sucked into it by any means because it's, you know, still fairly simple because it's an NES game and there's only so much, you know, you can put into NES golf games, but I thought it was pretty good for an NES golf game. Um, it also has some awesome character names. 
there are four characters to choose from right when you start the game. The characters are uh, Big Jumbo, Super Mechs, which I have read is apparently Lee Trevino's nickname, uh, Miracle Chosuke, and Pretty Amy. Now, let me tell you something about Pretty Amy. This is the character that, for what for whatever reason, well, actually, I think I know what reason, uh, that I used to play when I was little. And Pretty Amy, this is, a, this is a very strange thing they put into the game. But if you hit, like, a bad shot or something, or if, like, you hit it into a bunker or something when you're playing as Pretty Amy, she's wearing a golf skirt. And she, like... Oh, bends no. over out of like frustration and you can see her underwear oh jeez! <laughs> oh of course robert <laughs> <laughs> and, and like when i got this i i, I bought this recently off ebay because i was like oh i remember playing that game i wonder if you know i'll like it as much as i used to um you know not really expecting much but then i started playing i was like I wonder if, like, as I've remembered that kind of throughout the years, but I've always kind of second-guessed my memory. Like, surely they Come didn't on. really put that into the this game. This is why you played it. <laughs> the whole reason. I was oh, like, I surely. Two seconds. <laughs> I was like, it's surely they didn't, they didn't put that into the game. Why would they put that into the game? I must be like, I must have been seeing it wrong, or I don't remember it correctly, or I just kind of, like, made it up in my head. But sure enough, that is literally the case. And not only that, you can also see it when she swings, which normally I don't notice, or like I probably no, most people don't notice because when you are swinging, you're you're like focused solely on the meter and you're not looking at anything else on the screen. But if you look at the character when she swings, also when she swings, like her skirt like flaps up a little bit, and it gives you like <laughs> it gives you a shot when you're doing that as well. Jay just sighing. Are you sure it's not just part of the outfit? Because you know, there's a lot of golfing outfits that have like. They you have underwear. I mean? Yeah, it's part of her golfing outfit. It's called her. It's called the no. underwear. Robert, I mean, they have the under part of the skirt is part of the. It's part of the actual skirt. Like, have you watched professional golf before? I, no, because it's an entirely different color. Her skirt is pink. Okay, okay. that's what I was going to ask you. And this okay. is white. I'll try to pull up a screenshot. No, I'm good. <laughs> we'll hard pass on that. Is Lee Trevino a famous golfer, Alex? Yeah, he's one of the best ever. Is he really? Yeah, he's won lots of tournaments and stuff. He's before my time. He's like his best years were like in the you know seventies and early eighties. Sure, sure, yeah. He's but yeah, cool. no, he was he was up there with like Jack Nicholas and Johnny Miller and and Tom Watson and all those guys. Okay, cool. I yeah, I just so I never really heard of him. It's not one of those like Bill Lambeer deals where it's like, what is this guy doing with a game? Like, no, Lee Trevino was was legit. Right. Okay. You are throwing these names around right now, and I have no idea who these people are. <laughs> <laughs> Blame my dad and my older brother. I grew up on around golf, so nothing wrong with it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, um, my third game. This one is especially in honor of Alex being on the show this evening. Ken Griffey Jr. presents All Major right. League Baseball All right. All <laughs> for right. Super Nintendo, nineteen ninety four. The best baseball game ever made. Am I right? Oh, of course. Nothing else <laughs> even comes close. I'm not even sure what what's in second. Uh, what was the one on uh, Genesis? Uh, not triple play. Um, is it MV- World Series baseball? No, I have to look it up. There was one that I used to like on Genesis. Um, anyway, Lasorda. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that was it. Okay. King Griffey Jr. presents Major Major League Baseball, the greatest video game baseball video game ever made. 
Uh, or the greatest video game ever made. Or, you can, you can that <laughs> or the greatest too, video like. game ever made. I have no objection to that. Uh, this is a fantastic game. I used to play it all the time with my friends. Um, obviously, it is a uh, baseball game, and there are. It's funny. There are not like a whole bunch of standout. Excuse me. Things about the game. It's just overall the game was just executed very very well. The um. The mechanics are all really good. The it, you know, like I played um, just the black the black box baseball game a few episodes ago, and on that like they it's like they messed up even just some of the basic things like throwing the ball to certain bases felt weird, running to certain bases felt <laughs> weird. This one is like always feels intuitive. What you're supposed to press to do whatever it is you want to do, whether it's throwing the ball to a base or running to a base or running back to a different base or whatever it may be. Um, when they, uh, like hit the ball to the outfield, even if you can't see your character, you can look at, there's kind of like a little mini map and it'll show an X to the character that you're for the character you're controlling. And another little spot that shows like generally where the ball's going. So you can control him to try to run over there. Even if you can't see exactly what's going on. Um, the, uh, the, the batting is really pretty challenging. Overall, the game, is, the game is pretty challenging, and I think a lot of it comes down to the batting, which, is, which for, at least for me, was actually kind of tough until I really started paying attention, like, okay, you really got to focus. And when yeah. he throws, you have to like make an, like a split-second decision, first of all, whether you're going to swing or whether you need to wait because maybe they're throwing it slow. But like if you're just kind of half-assing it, you're going to get destroyed in the okay. batting game. That's fair. Um, overall, it's it's fast paced. It doesn't take forever. Like in between, you know, a play and then the next batter coming up. It's like once a play is over, bam, you're ready to go. That's huge. Yeah, huge. Especially for a baseball game where it's like a lot of the, there's so much downtime. But you know, in oh, general, yeah. especially when you're waiting on the pitcher to throw and all that kind of stuff, um, they do a really good job of keeping it as snappy as they can. Uh, cool. And then there's the. Um, there's there's so like the game is a you know kind of like along the lines of it's kind of like analogous to John Madden football basically it's it's not arcadey at all it's it's more simulator if anything however it adds like just enough cartoonishness to make it like fun and quirky without like going too far into that and making it just like absurd and ridiculous like the right. character the character designs are are fantastic Particularly, like you know, when they're batting, and we're especially just like the batters themselves. Yeah, they, a lot uh, of the batters, the muscle guys, they look like they'd be <laughs> yeah. flunkies in a game like Final Fight or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of them have like enormous <laughs> muscles. Yeah. Some of them like have really um, like overblown kind of like strange stances, like the way they're holding the bat. Uh, they might hold like be holding it like almost straight up in the air, for instance, or like holding it like, <laughs> way out away from their body, things like that. Right. Some of them are chewing gum. Some of them are blowing bubbles. Just like little details. Like some of them like just might be like not doing much besides just sort of like waving the bat around a little bit, right? You know, waiting on the pitch. And then there's like little things like if you're running and you're trying to like catch the ball, but it's go, but it's like a home run, for instance. If you just keep running, your guy will like bump into the wall and it makes like this little cartoonish like sound. <laughs> and then he just like falls backwards, like flat on the back of his head. Like he got knocked out in a cartoon or something like that. Yeah. There's um they sometimes they yell at the ref like if if they get struck out. Sometimes they break the bat over their knee. Uh, it's just like all these little touches 
to an already like super solid mechanically uh, game, I think it just kind of adds up to make it awesome. And everybody's chewing tobacco. A lot of them. Oh, they have a well, huge. They're, they're, every they're every player gum. has a huge dip in. Jawbreaker from that or something. Oh yeah. Also, like different stadiums have different like looking grass or like different color grass, so they're not like just all the same. Um, what? Oh, what? What? what Huh? That was unheard of back then to have like all yeah. back then it was only 30 teams. That was before Arizona and the other expansion team. I can't remember off the top of my head, but um, oh, Tampa um, before those teams showed up. So but still to have 30 different stadiums was just like, what are you kidding me? Like that's yeah, sure. That's enough. actually that's super cool. That's the Metrodome. That's Fenway Park. That's Wrigley Field. Yeah. Like the outfield dimensions match and everything. Like it's like that's such an awesome and unexpected touch. But um, yeah, let me tell you, like I was so obsessed with this game as a kid that I actually would go down to the basement with a newspaper so I could look at all the box scores and change every player's name. (laughs) And it would take me like from 6 p.m. to midnight, I would say, or something crazy like that. Wow. And it was, I was so into this game. I just loved every... I've played so many seasons. I've got... I'm in the middle of one right now that I play. I just, you know, not even one... I'll play like one game a month or something like that. Just like, oh, I'll just play some Griffey for... You know, I can't sleep. I'll play some Griffey or something like that. So, uh-huh. but uh, yeah, I just... I love that game. You you pretty much hit it on every on every point. Um, and I think the one that people tend to uh, ignore is, like you said, the pace of play. You can finish a game in less than 20 minutes, nine innings. Wow. And yeah, yeah, yeah. for a baseball game, it's like, yeah, compare That's that to good. like, compare that to like bases loaded on NES. Or it's just like, it's like music blaring and then you're just <laughs> sitting there staring at the pitcher and you're just like, come on, get yeah. on with it. So this, by comparison, is like faster paced. It's, you, I tend to swing at everything though, so maybe that matter that changes. Things you know, I do too. Uh, that's yeah. and I def- I had to fix that uh, very early on because I lost my. I started a season and lost the first two games, just because I was hitting terribly. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, okay, I'm really gonna start paying attention. It's like if you really focus, then you can then you can do it. But it's like you really have to actively really focus pretty hard it does matter who you pick uh, as a team though big time because oh, if you that was pick, part of it if you pick a crappy team like uh who had a bad lineup back then um well i know for a fact that the blue jays had one of the best lineups because they won the world series the year before so they had like ricky henderson and roberto alomar and all these guys like these hall of fame players like so everybody is like an all-star on that in that <laughs> whole lineup practically so if you if you pick them you're just gonna have better luck basically um when you make contact but um yeah if you pick somebody like one of the expansions like one of uh colorado or the florida marlins or something like that like yeah then you're gonna probably gonna struggle i would i would think just because even if you do manage to make contact it's gonna be a weak ground ball back to the pitcher like half yeah. the time what was the um were, what, were the reds are, are they supposed to be any good? Because that's who I played as. Uh, the Reds had Barry Larkin, but I'm trying to think who else would have been on the team. Yeah, I don't think they had much else other than Barry Larkin. I know they had Chris Sabo, the guy with the goggles, but I don't know if he was still any good back then. So I think he might have been probably average. 
Okay, because it felt it felt like so many of my hits just went like straight to the shortstop, <laughs> and like you know, obviously you're just screwed in that case. Yeah, yeah. You just want to hit the fast forward button, All right? Next. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but so yeah, awesome. Oh, and also, uh, and you and I actually talked about this briefly on Twitter uh, a little while ago. The manual for this game is really awesome. Oh has, yeah, I like, still have my box right behind me here. I've forgot to go look at that. Um, I'll have to do that after this because it's in a cumbersome plastic uh, shell. But oh, that's um, how I do mine also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I, I've been meaning to look at that. You were saying it has like. It's got like a two-page history of baseball in the United States, first off, <laughs> which is like oh, really kind of interesting. It tells like the it. first couple leagues and how they got started and how many teams they had and how they eventually kind of like, you know, only one league, you know, eventually emerged after so long and all that. And then um, and then it has like a history, like a one one or two paragraph history of every single team in the league. Dang. It is pretty sweet. So uh, yeah, especially if you're a baseball fan, like it, that's that's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, and Nintendo was, was the publisher. Like that's how much they they got right. behind that game big time. And so <laughs> they uh, were like, yeah, sure, just cram as much stuff as you possibly can into the manual. We'll we'll print it. So yeah, it's really cool. So yeah, it was super awesome, super cool. Uh, and then one thing that I just learned about a few minutes ago, or like right before the podcast, as I was looking up on Wikipedia to see uh, what year it came out, is I don't know about this, and you probably do, uh, Alex. But so you know, as you mentioned, they don't have the real players' names because they, you know, they didn't yes. have the license for them. However, what they did do was they put like essentially famous people's names with just like the first initial and then like the last um and then like the full last name just That's like right. for, for random famous people in all the games it says uh and i didn't notice this at all but like each team had a uh has like a theme so like the reds i just glanced at the reds are all writers so there's b stoker uh there's p dick huh. Wait, uh, what? and then the um this this one I thought was pretty cool. Uh, if you are up on your uh, horror movie trivia, the Colorado Rockies contain famous names from horror movies, including uh, G. Romero, B. Lugosi, T. Fisher, uh, T. Savini, and B. Karloff. And then, uh, and then the like again. For instance, the Houston Astros are cartoonists. G. Larson is the pitcher. W. Eisner is the second baseman. F. Miller <laughs> is the infielder, so uh, that's kind of uh, I, I did not notice that wow. at all as I was that's playing. Some serious depth. Yeah, they got and, some weird stuff in there too. Like, um, uh, what was the what was the team that had like John Waters characters? Because, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I remember one person's last name was Trasho, like Mondo Trasho. Oh my gosh! And that's... it was like, wait a second, <laughs> that hear... can't be, that can't be right. It says and the Baltimore Orioles pay tribute that's who to was, ba- yeah. Baltimore native John Waters with B. Divine, <laughs> P. Flamingo, M. Oh Trasho, H. Yeah, Pink Spray. Flamingo. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> like, that is, is, like, who would think to do that? Like, that's just strange. Yeah, yeah, very. So, uh, yeah, Gr- greatest game ever made. All, all time. <laughs> oh, yep. I guess it's time for top fives. 
this the top five list for this episode defining games for the 2d platformer genre uh we decided to exclude super mario brothers super mario brothers 3 and super mario world because those are too obvious but not too duh but not too duh because yeah, auto include am i right get out all right never mind <laughs> um i don't know if i'm too i had a hard time coming with the coming up with so an interesting I. list you did too. I, I have a couple that I'm very happy with, and then a couple that are like, "This is an auto include. Like you can't, can't escape it." Like there's a few mm-hmm. that I'm just like, "It's an auto include." You, you, maybe you disagree, but I've got kind of like maybe I don't know. I, I, three of mine you could maybe consider auto includes. Really, really, just one or two. Gotcha. Let's let's go and see what we had. Let's let's just go in the same order that we. Uh, actually, let's do this. Let's go in a reverse order from what we did last time. So I'll go first. Okay. My number five. Defining game for the 2D platformer genre is Rayman. Oh, um, there you go. Yeah, it's I. I'm kind of torn on the Rayman series in general. It's kind of weird. I've only played the very first one and the very most recent one. So, wow. uh, <laughs> yeah, my knowledge is not that great. However, the most recent one, which was uh, Rayman Legends, I guess it came out. I don't know, four years ago, maybe. Uh, I absolutely loved it. One of my favorite Same. games ever. Oh, you've played it? Yeah, Rayman Legends. Yeah, my friend Hunter, I spent a lot of time with him, and I played a good amount of it. Oh, man. It is amazing. The first one, I played recently for the podcast after playing that one and liking it so much. Uh, the first one, I did not really enjoy. <laughs> but it did a lot of interest. But, but it's on my list because it kind of, again, it is. I consider it a defining game in that it kind of, I think it did a lot for the platformer genre. It made it more artistic uh more creative in some ways mostly just i guess from an artistic standpoint and, it did have uh, a unique art style to it for sure yeah it had a unique art style it had a it had very interesting like different like level like not design of the levels but just kind of like graphic design of the levels uh the music was 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 really well done through all of it so mm-hmm. for its time super solid platformer that kind of did some stuff that platformers were sort of leaving to the wayside for the most part so i guess my number five all right, Alex, what's your number five most defining platformer? Cool. So I get hung up on the criteria yeah. of oh, these yeah. quite a bit. Like, <laughs> yeah, what does defining one. mean? So, I mean, I can't just do, like, oh, five best platformers, you know, because that's right. kind of... I, I truly try to avoid doing that. I, I, right. I had a hard time doing the same thing, yeah. But then mine ends up reading, like, a top five <laughs> best platformers anyway. You're literally so in it's... my brain. <laughs> so it's like, well, what do you do? Um, my number five is Little Big Planet. Um, oh, nice for PS3. I just really like that. You know, how many years later after Super Mario Brothers, they're still coming up with inventive, cool ways to do the platforming thing. Yep. And in this case, um, it's with all the crazy physics. Um, all the different environments, all the different things you can do. At certain points, you're you're like at the total mercy of the physics engine, or you're just kind of flailing around. But it it never feels like unfair, if that makes sense. It's always kind of has that like fun aspect to it, right. where I think it's it might have something to do with like all the ragdoll physics that makes the game feel kind of harmless <laughs> and and less serious than it than it would be. But um. I didn't. I haven't spent a lot of time playing that one, but it's definitely hooked me when I did 
play it um, way back in the day. So when I thought of like the criteria of this, well, it's like I, I almost feel it's like uh, I don't want to say lifetime achievement award in in game design or anything like that. That's too lofty. But when I think of uh, definitive, I think of like game design. I think of level design and how it combines with the characters abilities and how they match and that sort of thing so i think little big planet did an awesome job at that and especially a game that came as late as 2008 you know it's like oh boy here we go another platformer and it's like no this is actually freaking awesome you could say the same thing about rayman legends for that matter yeah there you go Little Big Planet, yeah. uh, I've heard incredible things about. It. I haven't actually played too much. Like I've watched uh, people play it for. I think it was on uh, one of the GDQs, but I've watched people stream it as well. It really does look like a super fun game. Yeah, it's. It, but unfortunately, it's one of those series where it it gets not as great the further you go. Hmm. So I still like the first gotcha. one the best. That's just me though. Okay, gotcha. All right, Jay, number five. Um, my number. F- Five, taking your positive and changing it to a negative, um, a very serious tone, which was Abe's Odyssey. Um, Abe's Odyssey, oh. it's a puzzle solving. You're sort of trying to navigate through these obstacles and trying to avoid enemies because enemies will just destroy you. Because um, if, if they see you, they'll just shoot you and, and they'll absolutely demolish you. And this game had a very serious undertone to it. I played this on a demo and then ultimately, I think I rented it or, or borrowed it from somebody. But essentially, the idea of the game is you're progressing through this and you're trying to use different obstacles in interactions in order to rescue other of your species. And when you fail, they get absolutely butchered. Like, they'll get blown up, they'll get chopped to pieces, they'll get smashed, and so will you, or they'll just get gunned down with, like, a, a machine gun. And it for me, this was, like, the first platform that I played that was that had this... Uh, it was a PlayStation 1 game, so the graphics were relatively good with this really dark undertone that was very punishing if you failed to complete the objective. And I was, this one always stuck out in my mind as something that throughout my gaming career just was something that I, that I had like a flag of like, hey, there was something different about this game. It was a little bit weird, a little bit kind of out there uh, mm-hmm. overall. Okay. It definitely has a, a, a different vibe to it, that's for sure. That's I. I haven't played it in a really long time, but I'm looking at it now, and it's like, yeah, there's to this day, there's still not a whole lot that that looks like this game. Yeah, I think it's good. Yeah, good addition. All right, um, I'm kind of torn between two for my number four. I think as far as sticking with the sticking strictly to the defining aspect of this, I'm gonna go with Aladdin. For uh, specifically the Ge- the Sega Genesis one. Oh God! Most frustrating is that what the uh, addition was to the maybe, oh. but um, I just mostly because this was a solid platformer with like you know interesting level design, but also really really good graphics and animation, which was kind of what uh like really st- made this game stand apart. It was especially just- for a licensed game. Yeah, 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 and that too. Yeah, very good point. Because most licensed platformers were not very good. Lion King. Uh-huh. Uh, but this one was, and they took a lot of care. Like, I feel like even when I was, I don't know, however old I was when this came out, I was kind of surprised at how well it was done for a licensed game. It's like, <laughs> wow, they really made, like, they didn't just, like, put Aladdin on this and, you know, and ship it. It's like, wow, they really spent a lot of time trying to make this into a very good game. Um, and, I, and I remember, again, 
that and the graphics being really good and the aside from the graphics themselves the actual animation of the game being very smooth and and really just like pleasant to look at and that wasn't something this this was the first game that i ever really felt that playing so uh as far as like platformers go so this one kind of this was kind of an, an anomaly to me but i think it deserves to be you know potentially one of considered a defining 2d platformer I like some of the level interactions too, like the level where you're doing the rooftops and you're able to jump on the uh, the bed sheets and like slide down the ropes and stuff like that. Like it was, you would you know fight something, you collect some items, and then you jump on this thing and you swing really far. I always found that kind of fun because it it more or less had like different tones to the level, which made the levels more enjoyable and, and didn't feel as repetitive mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, I have distinct memories. I don't remember which department store it was. I want to say it was Toys R Us actually where I played that game for the first time as on one of those like demo units. Yeah. I was just like, oh my God, this game looks freaking awesome. <laughs> like just, I could not get over the sprite animation. How, how like clean it looked and how smooth everything was and the yeah. backgrounds and everything. It's, it's yeah, I was super jealous. Yeah, it was, it was it's a good one. Really very kind of just pleasant to look at for the time. Yeah, for sure. All right, my Alex. number my number four is Wario Land four for Game Boy Advance. Is this considered so Wario Land three? If, if I no, this is this is after. Okay. Um, that one, you're uh, thinking of the Game Boy. You're thinking of Game Boy. I think Jay. I think that's Game Boy right. Color. I'm sorry, Wario Wario Land three is Game Boy Color. Wario yeah. Land two, I forget, and then Wario, Wario Land two Land... I think is regular Game Boy. Yeah, okay. I think that's right. Okay. And then yeah. Wario Land 4 is Game Boy Advance. So if I can't use Mario, then I'm going to use Wario. What do you think of that? <laughs> Works. Um, the reason I like it is because you it's one of those Kirby-type games almost where you get overpowered to the gills with all these different abilities and stuff like that. But the difference is that like, Kirby games get way too easy, which is fun, which is fine. You know, Kirby games, are, you know, they are what they are, and they're easy to just kind of plow through. And... Um, but Wario Land 4 still remains. No, you uh, have all these abilities and stuff like that. Um, and plus, it came late to, you know, kind of like a little big plan. It came late. I mean, and this was 98, I or no, what year was it? I can't remember. But uh, it was 2001. 2001, oh, wow. yeah. I mean, pl- I'm sure plenty of people thought, like, oh, we've done this to death. Um, and to prove the point that Wario Land kind of stopped after that, they moved on to like, uh, what, what were the other like mini game series? Yeah, the Wario World, uh, whatever it was called. Wario, right. WarioWare. WarioWare, right. that's right. But still playing that game playing that game now still feels fresh and feels like it has a lot of new <laughs> ideas um, just from a level design and gameplay standpoint. In fact, believe it, believe it or not, there is a book out there that some guy wrote for fun. It's an ebook. Just on the level design of Wario Land Four, what? Like, yeah, you can look. It's on. It's on Amazon. It's for five dollars. The guy's name is like Daniel something. Daniel Johnson. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, the dude. Game design Ford, companion. He, That's the, so crazy. Yeah, he's. It's. I've read some of it. I'm not crazy enough to read that much about Wario Land Four, but I've read some of it, and <laughs> he makes some good points. But still, I I love this game. It's what it's. If I had to pick my absolute favorite and the best you know, Game Boy Advance game that's not a port or a remake, you know, like Four Swords and Super Mario Advance and all that. 
it'd probably be Wario Land 4 if I had to pick well, one. Wow, favorite wow. advance, really? I love it. I think it's freaking <laughs> awesome. I love the pixel art. Um, I love all the different abilities. Uh, and it's, it, I, you know, as much as I like Kirby, it's, I always come back to that comparison, but it's like, I, I get kind of bored with Kirby because it's like, right. gets to be too easy, but yeah. Wario Land 4 is still, still has a challenge to it. So hmm. there you go. It's a good one. All right, Jay. Oh, uh, my number four is Sonic the Hedgehog for Sega Genesis. <clears throat> Um, and the reason I had this up here was um, kind of as we talked about with some of the earlier games where we've been discussing is is kind of the pacing. So you have a lot of these um, platformers where you're very precise on movements and you're slowly making your way across the level. Whereas Sonic the Hedgehog, you are going a million miles an hour and you're trying, you're basically dashing through most of the levels. And in a lot of cases, you're skipping over a lot of secrets, a lot of items and such. But generally speaking, I just loved how quick the pacing was on the game. And you could dash through, especially the first probably world and a half or so, you could kind of dash your way through it very, very quickly. And even some of the later worlds, there were individual levels where you could, you, you're could you at top speed the entire time and you're collecting things and the music's going. And when you get the invulnerability power, the music changes and it's just, it has this really interesting tempo to it. And, you know, obviously there are certain levels where you're very slow paced and you're kind of crawling your way through it. And the next one you could be dashing from, you know, from start to finish. So it's an absolutely fun game. Nice. Okay. Good. Good one. Yeah, that's yeah, I mean that's you can't argue with that. Sonic was is I think you kind of just have to say, yeah, that's one of the better classic platformers that they ever made. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right. Um where'd I go? Ah, number three. Now this one is this is another problem I, I ran into is like, does this count really as a platformer? And I think it does, considering a bunch of the levels in this game. Over, you know, technically it's a this would be more of an action platformer, but it does have plenty of uh, <laughs> plenty of parts, plenty of segments with a very heavy emphasis on the platforming. That is Mega Man Two. <laughs> um, like it. You, this is just an awesome game. Just no matter what way you look at it, pretty much. But um, as far as being a defining platformer game, I think. One, because it does have, you know, a heavy action element while also keeping a very heavy platforming element. It's also got freaking amazing music, uh, really, really awesome level design, and uh, really, um, at times, frustrating, but also creative use of, of platforming elements. So, and of course, it's Mega Man, which is itself just kind of defining in a way because it's been such a long stretching franchise. So uh, yeah, I think for those reasons, I feel pretty good about this choice. And it's got the metal blade, which is one of the all time great weapons in video game history. The metal blade. What's that? That's what you get from metal man. Oh, 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 oh. When you said metal blade, I was thinking like a, uh, like a sword is what that sounded like. Oh no. (laughs) No, it's I'm one of the weirdos that uses the boss weapons in the levels themselves. A lot of people gotcha. like to save them just for boss fights, Definitely but I like them, yeah. using them in the levels, and that's one of the most fun ones to use. Oh yeah, because it goes through everything, doesn't it? And it goes through everything, and you can shoot it in like eight directions. So oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, you can shoot in the different directions. Okay. So yeah, no argument here. Um, and you know, um, actually. This is something that I meant to uh, to ask or to just to mention to you in general, 
because I feel like I'm an outlier and this is this isn't off to the side taking a step aside from our uh, top five list for a second uh Alex I finally played Mega Man X uh oh and I thought it was okay okay I I think Mega Man 2 is infinitely better okay is it the weapons? Is it the bosses? Um, it's a good question. I think you know. I I, I think it's kind of just everything. Uh, I don't think Mega Man X is bad at all. In fact, I I'd say it's better than okay. It's very good. Um, but Mega Man Wait. Two, I think, is just fucking killer. <laughs> I think is what it comes yeah, down to. Those are lofty standards. It's got to live up to for sure. Right, right. Um, Mega Man Two. A lot of it is the music, honestly. Like oh, the music sure. is so good, so like music can really, really goes a, a long way with me in video games if it's really good. Um, and Mega Man X's music is good, but it's like it just can't even stack up. And another thing that kind of that that really strongly strongly sways me to Mega Man Two is that Mega Man X gets impossible near the end of the game. Some of those which levels, part are you talking about? <clears throat> the one well. Basically, the entire game once you beat the uh, the robot masters, but specifically like the parts where you have to uh, wall jump for like you know five screens while dodging things and trying to kill stuff. Yeah, yeah, I hear you on that. <laughs> and then those uh, the I forget their official names, but the guys that throw those uh, medieval mace sp- spike things. At you. Oh yeah, 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 and they're like those. usually on the edges of those uh, of like little platforms while you're trying to wall jump. Right, and it, see, normally what I what I what I like to do is use the um, armored armadillo's shield uh, charge power, uh, so it creates a shield around X, and so he can just wall jump. But the thing is, is that those guys, their attack destroys the shield so it's like well, oh does it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so you gotta you gotta throw on the shield and then somehow avoid that guy's attack that's at least that's what i i end up doing i don't remember but, what i did exactly i just know that i i, I played it on the <laughs> snes classic and if i did not have save states there's no way in hell i ever would have come close to beating the game you probably just like all right fine i'll take damage and i'll just get up to this ladder and then just keep going i don't know a, I don't even think that's it because I don't even think I could get to the top most of the time. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, anyway, pretty brutal. Anyway, yeah, a good game, but I but from but it seems like most people favor that game basically over any Mega Man game. Um, It's not on my top five. Oh, really? In fact, in fact, there's no Mega Man game on my top five. Yeah. Well, well, as far I'm I'm sorry, just as far as Mega Man games go, like most people, a lot of people consider that like their favorite, right? X or X2, yeah. X2. And a lot of people like X4. Okay. But, yeah, I, I think those are, by and large, um, thought of in higher regard than the NES games. Gotcha. For whatever reason. All right, well, anyway, just a detour, because we had talked about sure. that at one point. Um, or is, is it your turn, number three? My turn? Believe so. Mine was Mega Man 2. My, so it's my number three? Yeah, your number three. Yep. I got, and I'm not even that crazy about this. Uh, hang on, my dog's trying to come in here. Come on. <laughs> he wants Aww. to know what number three is. What kind of dog is <laughs> It's a Malamute mix with a Border Collie. Oh, man. Border Collie's so a crazy. Um, 
I don't even, I'm not even that crazy about this series. Uh, I'm down on the first game, which makes people mad. The third game is okay, but I love Donkey Kong Country 2. Oh. <laughs> Robert's not a big fan of Donkey Kong Country. Yeah, I don't really like the first one either. Yeah, I'm not crazy about it. I'm not crazy about um, how boring the boss fights are. I don't like the quote-unquote secrets that it tries to do. Anyway, I don't want to slag Donkey Kong Country and get a bunch of hate mail. But <laughs> <laughs> The second game is... Um, the way it's structured, I always really admired in, in two different ways. One is that it reminds me of how... It, it reminds me of the cliche about mystery novels where... It's like, well, how do you write a mystery novel? You you start with the ending and then you work backwards. And I feel like those the levels in Donkey Kong Country 2 are constructed the same way where the secret stuff is placed, you know, and power-ups and all that sort of stuff um, are placed in such clever spots throughout all these different settings that it's like they started there. It's like, oh, let's put it in like the the belly of the pirate ship down here. But how do you get there? Oh, well, let's have them go this way and how are they know to how do they know to go that way well they kill this enemy and that opens this up or something i don't know it's just really really clever um and then the way the game is structured in terms of just how they introduce something new in the level it's a very like pirate piratey themed game like but then they have like levels that you know you where you climb the cargo net and then they ramp up the challenge steadily surely but slowly to it where it gets really tough but it's never like too unfair although it does get pretty brutal when you when you get those other animals involved that have to like fly you around and stuff like that parrot Ugh. but um it's just it's so well designed it's really clever and uh yeah i'm not crazy about that series but i really really like that game nice i've never played that one you should. Okay. <laughs> Jay? I, I enjoy both of them. Just throw it out there. Okay. Um, Good for you. My number, my number three is actually Mega Man 2. Um, I, I'm not going to go super far in because you already did uh, pretty good coverage, but the two things I wanted to talk about were one, which you touched lightly on, which is the music, or I guess you touched more than lightly, but music is phenomenal. It's just unbelievable how good the soundtrack is for this, for this game, especially for the time. It's just way ahead of itself. Um, the second one was the balancing. Uh, the balance of this game, I thought, was the perfect temperature. It understood that the game needed to be difficult and had some frustrating elements to it, but it felt like the more I played it, the better I got, and I would actually beat it. Whereas, like, Mega Man 1, I had, I think it's Mega Man 1, I had the most difficulty just trying to get into it enough to to get the drive to want to beat it. Whereas Mega Man 2 is, like, the more I played it, I was like, okay, this isn't as bad. I can actually progress, and I feel like I'm making the right things, and my strategy actually matters and it wasn't just me bashing my head against my desk over and over and over, hoping that I'd, you know, eventually beat it. Okay. Right on. Yeah. Uh, all right. Number two. My number two, and I, I kind of similar to what you were saying with yours, um, Alex. This is not a game that I particularly enjoy that much, but also I still feel like it is very defining as far as platformers go. That's the original Donkey Kong, which um, <laughs> kind of huh. started off the platformer genre in a way, almost. Uh, I guess so, huh? Um, you know, of course, there's the 
first the the main Donkey Kong level that everybody knows about, but then the ones after that where it like gets a little bit more interesting. There's moving platforms, stuff going up and down, dodging things and all that. This this is kind of just the series that sort of got it started. So for me, that that's that goes a long way to making it a defining uh, platformer. I, I I'll be honest, I like the traditional Donkey Kong. Like uh, you know the ramps and that the traditional map. Mm-hmm. Once it gets into all those like elevators and stuff like that, I'm like, screw this. Oh really? That, I see. Those are the part that I like. I get really bored on that first level, on like the ramp stuff. But then when you get the, the moving stuff, all right, this now this is a little, getting a little interesting. I, I'm I'm terrible at that game either way. So yeah, same same. Here. I've I've never been good at Donkey Kong, but mm-hmm. yeah, you got to respect the game though. Right. All right, number two. Oh me. Yeah. <laughs> uh I got to go with Sonic 2. Oh wow. Um and that's I, I had trouble picking between all the you know Sonic CDs, Sonic and Knuckles, Sonic 3, yeah, yeah. Or Sonic Knuckles, th- Sonic 3 and Knuckles, whatever. <laughs> um <laughs> whatever it would be or the first one. Um but I picked 2 because for the same reason that um people always go back to for example uh, NHL 94. Like, why is everybody always Classic. going back to NHL 94? It's because it's the first NHL EA Sports NHL game that got it right. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, the other games might be a little more polished and smoother and whatever, but NHL 94 was the first one that got it, like, dead on perfect. Um, same with Sonic 2. I think it was the first one that, like, really, really nailed, like... I see some people that really can't stand the Sonic games or the Sonic franchise because they feel like they're just flailing out of control. And it's like, I I want to feel like I want to tell them like it's, it's not Mario. It's not a, it's not a typical platformer. It's, you have to be really quick to react to your surroundings. And then you learn to memorize certain things and then you learn to expect certain things and then pattern recognition and all this sort of stuff. So, to some people, it feels kind of random, but once you play it and get used to it and you start anticipating things, it's so well done. So, And the music is just some of my favorite in any game ever. And that goes a long way. Yeah, that's something that I tend to forget about the Sonic games is they do have pretty good music. Heck yeah. And right, I Jay. think the Genesis... Sorry, I think okay. the Genesis kind of gets slagged on when it comes to music too. Well, that is that is also true because a lot of the Genesis music is not great. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's some people that it feels like they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when they put the music together, but the Sonic music is kick-ass. Sonic music is good. All right, Jay, go. Um, so kind of like what you were talking about earlier a little bit. This is more of a it's 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 a platformer at times, but also very action-oriented. Um, this is Super Metroid. Uh, Super Metroid was one of the ones that I was struggling. I was like, I don't think I should put this on my list, but it's kind of an auto-include. And then I kind of went back and forth with it, and I decided that I wanted to keep it on uh, for a couple reasons. I love the uh, difficulty of this game. I think the difficulty is just about right. I know there are some frustrating elements, which I think you talked through on your playthrough, Robert, of just getting completely, you know, you end up dying, you get sent back to the beginning, and you have to grind your way back up to collect enough items to continue to pre- progress throughout the game. But what I love about this game, this this uh, concept of you're progressing through the game and then you have to revisit certain areas and then use your new technology in order to progress further in the game. Um, I also like some of the some of the more uh, difficult components, some of the, the boss battles, if you will. 
um, which are, especially Mother Brain in particular is is very platforming intensive. I mean, you're basically moving up, you're trying to do damage, then you're jumping back, you're trying to avoid all these different uh, missiles that are coming at you or missile like objects that are coming at you. And obviously, the more you put into the game, the stronger you are, which ultimately makes the game more uh, a lot easier. And for me, it was very fun because I didn't look up really anything when I played through this uh, this game. So it was very fun to try and find all the different secrets. Um, and you take on top of that, the music uh, was, it was, it was, the quality of, of music was better. Um, so, you know, obviously the soundtracks were already very iconic, but uh, this, I feel like the, the quality of music that they upgraded to just made it all that much better, I would say. Yeah, they did a really good job with like a, making it like a nice ambient type of, of music. Yeah, that that's, really that's a good way to put it. Well. And the first one did a good job of that, too, for that matter. Oh, absolutely. Jay, that's such a good point about the mother-brain fight, uh, The about it just being pure platforming. For the, just for the sheer amount of stuff you got to dodge in that fight that's coming at you from all directions. It really is like, okay, I got to jump here, and then I got to go over here, and then I got to make gotta sure I'm patient. over here yeah. just, to, just to shoot here. And it's, it's crazy, but it is like pure platforming skill that's required. There and it feels like the game is like leading up to that. Yeah, and, and what I love about it too is like if you are too aggressive, or you're too forward, you'll get punished so hard because you get knocked oh, into yeah. the lava, and you just keep getting hit when you're in the lava, and you try to get <laughs> out, and it's just this awful cycle of you just getting destroyed. Yeah, that panic you feel when you're yeah, in the exactly. lava, and you, you see the number scrolling down. Yeah, that I I didn't put this I didn't include this one on my list mostly because I didn't I don't really think of it as a platformer. Um, but no, but you make some good points as far as that aspect of it goes. Yeah, I definitely went back and forth with it, and I was like, ah, but it 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 slipped in. Got to get it. There was a couple a couple of options that I'll talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, is Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, I like it. and I, I'm not even a very big Sonic fan, but kind of as both of you guys have sort of talked about already. Um, the I think what, what I guess for me what it came down to was the level design is so kind of like blew everything else out of the water at the time. Yep. yep. It did so many things that no other platformer had done. And then on top of that, the the like graphic design of the levels from one like world to the next was like so crazily different. There's like I you know like chemical zone of course there's like the first yeah. spring um, zone spring um, hill zone I think yeah spring hill or whatever it is and then there's like the underwater levels and all that kind of oh, stuff don't even yeah um which of course you know other games had underwater levels and stuff like that but these like the variants from one to the next was just crazy so um yeah I think for that reason and it, overall it being a really good game and uh, and also as you all pointed out very good music it kind of just did everything fantastically well. So, for me, if you're not counting the Mario games, then this is kind of almost a shoe-in for the number one, for as far as I consider it. All right. right on. Alex? My number one is Super Metroid. <laughs> oh, wow. So, Jay already nailed it, but I also want to touch on the fact of how open-ended this game is. Um, the fact that you can skip certain sections. Oh, yeah. And just like say like you know what to hell with it I'm gonna go over to this boss battle right now and beat get this destroyed. guy <laughs> yeah and get, to- <laughs> get destroyed yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the um it's also it been an insane influence 
on games that have come afterward to the point that we now have a term called Metroidvania. I was going to say it's own genre. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Where, where it, Castlevania really doesn't have a whole lot to do with it. It has mostly Super Metroid, but I don't know. When I think of Castlevania, I think of like the NES Castlevanias. I don't think of Symphony of the Night. That's just me. Yeah, but, no, I'm kind of, I, I kind of tend to do the same thing, even though I guess you, a lot of the later ones definitely did follow this formula. When I think of Castlevania, I my brain automatically goes to the first one. Yeah. But either way, Super Metroid was a big part of that. I mean, there's no Symphony of the Night if there's no Super Metroid. So there you go. But um, yeah, I, I love the structure of it. I love the look, the sound. Um, yeah, I, I would say it's I think it's a platformer um, because of the mother brain fight, especially because of the mother brain fight and how everything leads up to it, like Jay pointed out. And because um, of the abilities that you get, like the wall jump, yeah, that allow you to that allow you to make the game open ended, to skip sections. That and, and the freeze like mechanic; those two were in my head. I was like, yeah, yeah you can kind of exactly. do some fun things with them. So yeah, I would have to think it's a. I had thought about it a lot, and it's which is funny because I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll put Super Metroid in the category, but Mega Man X, I don't know, I don't know why it went that way, but. Um, yeah, Super Metroid is my number one. All right. Cool. I'm actually really surprised nobody has said this yet. This was, I, I thought this was an automatic include a lot of people's list. Uh, this is Bionic Commando. Bionic oh, Commando to go. me sticks yeah. out. It's such a, I mean, it, you, you take, you take your basic platformer at this time and you add this element, this mechanic of this mechanical device that just adds, I feel like just a whole nother level on top of platforming. I mean, it's just. It is such a fun mechanic. It is so difficult to use well. Like, even today, I go back to play Bionic Commando from time to time, and I still suck at using the arm, and I still suck <laughs> at actually aiming it and correctly using it and not killing myself repeatedly. Like, this was such a cool game. And I remember the first time I, I played this, I was like, this came out when? Like, this is so cool. Like, it was such a bizarre addition. But I was like, at first, I'm like, okay, that's a little bit unique. And then you start playing with it, and you're like, this is such a great addition to platform. Like, it's just... Oh man, I love the crap out of this game. I'm amazed that we haven't talked about this yet. I've never played this. Really? Yeah. Oh man, you got to put this on one of your priority lists, man. It's so it's frustrating but so cool. Especially <laughs> if you've played other NES platformers, you know, to death. It's like such a breath of fresh air to like have this new thing in there that you're not, that you, a new thing that you get to learn and and, yeah, it's very refreshing. That's a great word for it. Yeah, it's um this was yeah I've I did consider this. I considered Ducktales. I thought about and, that one. Um, That's and, on my honorable mention. Yeah. Yeah, and Mega Man X were were the other ones that I was really um thinking about. I I, I figured like I'm really gonna have five games and not have an NES game. Really? That's how. It, that's funny. So <laughs> it turned out. Yeah, mine. I had a lot of those that I ultimately kind of decided like. This was just really good, but I don't know if it's necessarily defining, like DuckTales, for instance. And another one was uh, Another World, which yeah. is, you know, that, that and, or like Flashback, for instance, which uh, oh, do the, really uh, different. Cinematic platformer. Yeah, yeah, like a cinematic platformer, which do really different and pretty cool stuff, but they're kind of, they, they never really did enough. They never, I don't think, had enough influence to where I would consider consider them defining. The other ones that I'm on number was Donkey Kong 1 or 2. 
Um, and then I was trying to put a Gex game. Is that what they were called? The, the Gex? Gex? Where you yeah, played yeah. the Gecko? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I played the crap out of those games. I don't think I ever played Gex. <laughs> I, I played, I at least played two of them. And I was like, tr I was watching some videos, like trying to justifiably put this on my list. And I'm like, eh, it's just an <laughs> essential. Was that the game that was on, that was like the, the one good 3DO game? Oh, was it 3DO? I don't remember. I th am I getting that right? I mean, it was on 3DO, but I remember like, oh yeah, that's that's the reason you should get 3DO is is Gex. for Gex. I know, I know, oh, it man. eventually came out on PlayStation and Saturn and stuff, but I think it came out on 3DO first. Yeah, it did, according to Wikipedia. Oh, that's crazy! I had no idea actually. Because I remember they centered their whole commercial stuff. You know, they had like the toy box commercial. With the Genesis and Nintendo being thrown into the yeah yeah into the, into the attic, but then they also had like play Gex, and I was like, hey, that looks freaking sweet. I love the the garbage one liners that came from that character. That that's what's most memorable oh to me. And dying over and over and over. <laughs> um, is that everything? Is that everybody's? Nobody yeah. thought of Pitfall. Mm. Uh, I guess nobody thought of Pitfall. Because that was the other one. That was like, I was trying to think of older. Yeah, that's that would have been a good one. So I yeah, just didn't Pitfall, Ducktales, that sort of stuff. All right. Uh, so for our next top five, we are going to do best titles of games. Just games that have the coolest sounding titles, or the weirdest, or just best in any which way. You consider them to be Lee the Trevino's best. fighting golf. Lee Trevino's fighting golf. <laughs> exactly uh, so that will be our that's our list for next time email us if you want to uh, give us your list mail at classicgamingpodcast.com uh, now it's time for emails First one is from uh, from Casey. He says, um, what are the clicking noises whenever Jay is talking? <laughs> <laughs> what are the clicking noises? Casey, that's Jay's keyboard. But I think we've got the problem under control now. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Sorry that that was distracting. I didn't realize it. Um, yeah, it sh let me know after this episode, but I think it was pretty well controlled uh, during this. I haven't noticed anything. No, I think yeah, it's been super good this time. Twice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next is from... Oh, that's it? They didn't actually go that into detail? Was, that was the email. That's awesome. <laughs> next is from Charles. Charles says, Happy New Year. Hey, guys. I don't think I've emailed since last year, although I've listened to every podcast. So belated. Happy New Year. Thanks, Charles. As far as gaming go goals go for the year, I don't really have any classic gaming goals. My gaming time is so limited that I usually use it for current gen stuff. Right now, I'm playing Red Dead Redemption 2. And it will probably occupy my gaming time for a couple months. I really want to get a Switch because then I could get in some quick gaming during lunch. And just because I'd like to play oh, Breath yeah. of the Wild and Mario Odyssey. Good choices. Solid choices for sure. I'm hoping my kids, 3 and 5, start to show some interest in gaming. And then maybe I can justify buying a Switch so we can have some kid-friendly games. Regarding games to play while eating nachos, <laughs> I was surprised that no one thought of light gun games. Hmm. I don't know if that 
sounds like a good combination to me. Um, that gun would get super sticky. He says, yeah, too much going on there. Yeah, exactly. Too much going on. You got to stand up to use it. Then you got to like go back over to the table or like lean back onto the back over to wherever you got your nachos over. You're going to, you got to pick them up while standing up. You're probably going to spill them all over the carpet because you're just going to drip it while you're holding them. I don't know. I don't think that sounds like a great combo, but anyway, he says duck hunt was the first game I thought of. I also thought of lethal enforcers, a port of the arcade game for the Sega Genesis 32 X. Yes, I was one of the three people who bought a 32X. Lethal Enforcers came with a blue light gun shaped like a 45 Magnum. And as far as light gun games go, it was fine. None of you guys had a 32X, I take it, did you? Negative. That was like nope. so uh, poorly marketed and all that that I don't even know if I knew that that existed when I was little. And I had a 3DO. Yeah, same. Uh... They just, I guess, they kind of just dropped the ball on that one, I think. He says, uh, by the way, I had a couple of decent games for the 32X. I had a version of NBA Jam Tournament Edition that had better graphics than the standard Genesis version. I also had a port of Virtual Fighter that I spent hours playing. All right, here's my list of defining platformers. Number five, Earthworm Jim. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. I can't particularly remember whether whether this game innovated anything in the way of mechanics or gameplay, but I rented this for Sega Genesis so many times, and I remember the art and music being really cool and quirky, and it being a ton of fun to play. There was a lot of weird humor, as you might expect from a game about an earthworm that wears a robotic suit and becomes an interplanetary adventurer. There was the mechanic of pulling your head, the earthworm, out of the suit and using it like a whip to hit enemies and swing across gaps. Anyway, I'm just calling this defining... Because I love this game, and I feel like it was pretty much universally loved. A great platformer at the tail end of the SNES slash Genesis console gen. I, yeah, I think that's a good one. Solid points. Number four, Aladdin slash The Lion King slash Toy Story. <laughs> there were a string of Disney platformers on Sega Genesis that were noteworthy because they were licensed games that were actually good. I remember playing all of these and all of them being good. In fact, I remember thinking that Aladdin was better than Donkey Kong Country, which got so much hype. I, I would agree with that. Again, I can't remember a lot of the specifics about the mechanics or gameplay, except that I was surprised by how fun they were. Number three. Ooh, wow. Super Star Wars slash Super Empire Strikes Back. Yikes. <laughs> honestly that's kind of my response my reaction as well honestly i can't think of why these games should be on this list other than i really like them the music and graphics were superb but these games were so stinking hard i can't even remember making it to the second level of empire <laughs> they were probably my first experience with the star wars game and they were good enough to sorely disappoint me with the crap load of licensed fodder we would all get bombarded with in the ensuing Ouch. decades as Star Wars surged in popularity. Think about it. We went from TIE Fighter and Dark Forces and these SNES platformers to dot 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 pod racing on the N64 Shadows of the Empire. The Battlefront games were good when they finally came out, but I feel like the proportion of bad Star Wars games has ratcheted up over time. Number two, Mega Man 2. Would you, you agree with that, Robert? With that assessment? Uh, on Star Wars games? Yeah. You know, it is. he does make a good point that, you know, we went from TIE Fighter and Dark Forces to other stuff that wasn't as good. But at the same time, 
for so shadows of the empire is hard for me to say i don't think i really liked that game but it's been a long ass time since i played it so i would really have to play it again to, to say pod racing i feel like i actually liked that game quite a bit but i don't know if that's just i don't know if it was actually good i just remember liking it personally um gotcha i didn't play battlefront i played a lot of like uh i played a lot of like the star wars strategy well I say a lot. There weren't many of them, but I played like some of the Star Wars strategy games. Uh, and then, of course, the the Super Nintendo ones. Um, I would say, yeah, they, they, they did go down in quality. However, they started off super fucking high. The, the first, like, some of the first Star Wars games, which I guess, you know, these weren't the first Star Wars games. But, you know, some of the first were the TIE Fighter games, which were, like, some of the best games ever made. So it's like, you can't. You don't have anywhere else to go from there but down because they started off really, really powerful. That makes sense. Uh, number two, Mega Man 2. You all oh, have yeah. recently talked about this game on the podcast. It was such more, more recently than you know, uh, Charles. Uh, it was such a great game. The music was so good, and they used the music really well to make some cinematic scenes. I'm particularly thinking of the opening with the soft, slow music. Oh, yeah. As you scroll up the building, and then Mega Man is standing on top of it with no helmet, and his hair whipping in the wind, and it starts with the fast adventure music. <laughs> I love the way he described wow. that, like, 100% perfectly. <laughs> like, that's the, the way, just like the way he described it really uh, evokes the feeling of, of watching yeah. that little opening cinematic. Yeah, 100%. Uh, then at the end, Mega Man walks off into the sunset by himself after killing Dr. Wily. If I remember right, my order to go through the stages was... Airman, Crashman, Metal Man, Bubble Man, Flame Man, Wood Man, and then Flash Man and Quick Man in either order. Wow, that's pretty impressive that he remembers that. Number one, Super Mario Brothers slash Super Mario World slash Super Mario Brothers 3. <laughs> what do you say about games that define the genre? I'm lumping these three together because I feel like they are all so similar and all have so defined the platformer genre. Well, he included every single one that was outlawed, but that's okay. Uh, he says, Super Mario Brothers was many gamers, including mine, first platformer and first game, for all intents and purposes. Yeah, we had Pong, and I played some Atari at friends' houses, but Super Mario Brothers was the first time I invested significant time and effort into a game. And my dad played with me, which is one of my fondest memories from childhood. In fact, I remember once I got into trouble for something I had done at school, and my dad took my NES as part of my punishment. Less than a day went by before he hooked it back up because he wanted to play. <laughs> Dude, I... I read those I dreaded those days so much when I get banned from consoles <laughs> <laughs> Super Mario Brothers 3 built on the model introducing so many things that would be key in later Mario games the overworld map the different suits and power-ups various oh. secrets like the warp whistle and hammer y'all have talked about the game extensively on the podcast so I won't belabor the point it's a perfect example of a sequel improving on the formula without losing what made it great and bonus points to Super Mario 3 for its debut in The Wizard, starring Fred Savage. Oof. In the movie, Savage's little brother actually found a warp whistle when he was playing it at the Nintendo tournament, which is ludicrous. I don't believe anyone would find the warp whistle in the first time that not only they, but anyone has ever played a game that has not even been released yet. Anyway, quote, I love the power glove. It's so bad. Yeah, I remember, I know exactly what you're talking about, Charles, when I was watching that. And I remembered him getting... The warp whistle in general, but I never really thought about how like stupid that was until I watched it again like a year ago or whatever it was. It's like, oh yeah, he just 
automatically thinks to go to this one spot and duck down or do whatever it was and like do this stuff exactly right so that he gets the secret warp so it's like oh you just you just guessed that you needed to do that right dude in the heat of the moment no less yeah in the heat of the moment and of course then super mario world came along i don't think it was a i don't think it was as big an improvement over mario 3 as mario 3 was over the original but the better graphics bright colors yoshi the star road secrets all the little Bowser Kid mini-bosses. This game introduces some great stuff to the franchise. And one thing I love is how Nintendo has built on the franchise, keeping elements from all the games as the series progresses. Even stuff from Mario 2, arguably the weakest of the series that I've played. That's it. I enjoy the podcast. Keep up the good work, Charles. Thank you so much, Charles. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. All right. um, This one is from Father Beast. Jay, I'll have you take this one. Okay. Father Beast says, Hi guys, Father Beast here. I voted for Daikatana for the game of the quarter, but I really didn't expect it to win. I guess I have some responsibility since I voted for it, so I brought, so I bought it. We'll see how this goes. Oh, nice. I was glad to hear that Robert played Heroes of Might and Magic 2 for the show, one of my favorite games of all time. I know that Jay prefers Heroes 3, while I prefer Heroes 2, but I think this is mostly a matter of preference, as both games are very good. Um, I was a little disappointed that Robert didn't enjoy it, but all the complaints Robert had about the game would also apply to Heroes of Might and Magic 3. Um, it is true that your monsters are your most important resource, and your goal in battle is to conserve them as much as possible. That's one of the reasons that the Necromancer is so cool to play, and him raising some of the dead skeletons after each battle. And the Liches, which you noticed, and the Vampires, which heal themselves by sucking the life out of their opponents. By the way, the, the raising skeleton thing comes from the Necromancer hero, not the castle. Although the castle does have an upgrade that increases the percentage that you receive back. Okay. And because necromancy is a hero secondary skill that, that necromancers start with, it is possible for other heroes to pick up necromancy when they level it up. It's kind of weird to see a knight with a human-type army raise a bunch of skeletons after battle, and you might not want that to happen because the morale penalty, but it is possible. Yep, that is very true. Um, also, yes, a bunch of archers does seem overpowered until you try to do it with a stack of your own archers or elves or centaurs or whatever, then the enemy will run up to your archers and always have a monster right next to them, keeping them from shooting while whittling down your precious archers. So what you can do to uh, do is surround your archers with your own melee units, taking every space, and then your ranged units can, can shred the enemy without anyone being able to get to them. Except other ranged units can shoot them, so you should target them first. There also is a blind spell, Robert, that prevents ranged units from, from being able to use uh, damage. Just a... Oh, in, in two there is? Oh, actually, I don't know. Good question. Never mind. Take it back. I never. I mean, there may be, but I never came across that in my time playing it. Gotcha. Uh, Father Beast goes on to say, it can be a bit of a hassle to run back to your castle every week to pick up new creatures, but if you have a second hero running around picking up various things anyway, you can have your hero, second hero grab the monsters and run them out to your main hero, who is busy out there conquering and exploring. I'm surprised this didn't already occur to you. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, the creatures are limited and must be conserved, but there is a secondary ability that allows you to sometimes recruit monsters stacks that are weaker than your army, so you can bolster your numbers and sometimes use these recruits as cannon fodder. So that's cool. Uh, that's a good point, and I did have that happen once or twice, and it's kind of funny because it'll be like a pack of boars, and you'll go to attack them or something, and then you'll get a message that says, like, the boars say that they want to join your army. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh, that. really? The boars told us that? Okay. Well, let's let, let's let them join then. The talking boars. Yeah. Um, they go on to say, if you go on to play Heroes 3, everything I've said here, uh, 
uh, applies there also. But I wish to give you some caution. One is that while Heroes, Heroes 2 has six hero types, one for each castle, Heroes 3 has eight castle types and two heroes per castle type. So there can be up to 16 hero types showing up in your recruiting building, making it hard to find the one you want. This can be compounded more by castle types added in some expansions. Also avoid the swamp castle called the Fortress since it's pretty much crap, except for the Hydra yanked from the old Warlock castle. Oh yeah, if you got used to the hero creatures in Heroes 2, they have been rearranged and creatures that were in one castle type in Heroes 2 might be in another in Heroes 3. Still, it is worth playing and hopefully you might find some enjoyment. Well, we'll see how it goes. Still listening, Father Beast. Awesome. Thank you, Father Beast. This one is from uh, here. Alex, why don't you take this one? This one is one that we got um, from someone who followed us immediately after we said that you were going to be on the show. So this Uh-oh. is probably one of your viewers. Alex, um, how dare you? Here it comes. This is from Retro Bird. A, a quick one here from Retro Bird. Retro Bird says, my question is what you all think about Rocket Knight Adventures. And that includes Snestrunk as he's never done a dedicated video for the game on his channel. I've gone through all the 2D platformers pretty thoroughly, and I feel it really stands out but gets dismissed as part of the Sonic clone phase. <laughs> this one actually had a really good team behind it. And that's it. Any thoughts? Uh, Rocket Knight Adventures is freaking awesome. <laughs> um, I, I know it did get not quite, not a port, but like a different version on the Super Nintendo called uh, Sparkster which was, I think, then ported to uh, back to uh, Genesis as Rocket Knight Adventures 2. Oh, interesting. I, I think, if I remember that correctly. But no, I love uh, Rocket Knight Adventures, but I honestly, I have, I'm used to Sparkster just because I am used to playing Super Nintendo. I should probably spend more time playing Rocket Knight Adventures, but I mean, how could you not love... Uh, mid-90s konami platformer where you zoom around overpowered like crazy killing everything in sight as a little like fox guy with a sword yeah as a little uh, rodent dude <laughs> i've never actually played this game so I, I i'm familiar with it but i've never played it um but i've always thought it looked i mean it looks good enough it looks like a pretty solid game but i've never played it okay um Alex, I don't want to let you off too easy, so I'm going to give you another one here from our listener, uh, Jeff. Oh, the uh, subject line is whoopsie. Jeff says, whoopsie, sorry about that email last week. You know I love the podcast and that I, I neither think that you are the worst nor that you suck. The message was intended for Rob's personal email, and it was just a little mix-up. <clears throat> Egg on my face on that one. Hilarious. <laughs> So happy to hear that Snestrunk is back on the pod for this episode. Thank you. I have so many thoughtful and original questions about if he's drunk when he makes videos, which alcohol he drinks, and the quality of said alcohol. Yeah. Why he does Sega games if his name is Sness, and if, in fact, he is drunk right at this very moment. <laughs> Spoiler alert, I am not. Uh, you you like Jameson, right? I do, yeah. As far I mean, as which I, alcohol he drinks. Isn't I, I like Irish whiskey. Okay. But yeah, no. uh, Anyway, he goes on to say, however, since I value your time and that of your listeners, save them for his YouTube comment section. (laughs) (laughs) Alex did mention recently that he was playing Breath of Fire 3. I was. Uh, That was last week. 
And I would really like any of his thoughts on this game. It is one of my all-time favorites and one that I personally have a strong attachment to. It is a relatively standard RPG, and there are a lot of little things that elevate it in my mind. I love the characters. In fact, Ray is one of my favorite in any game. And Deus is my waif, waifu. <laughs> waifu. Waifu. <laughs> it's like, uh, how, what's a, how do you describe waifu, uh, Jay? Um, like a fictional character or like something you draw that you treat as like your girlfriend, I guess. Isn't that what it is? Yeah, it's like your anime wife, basically. Uh, a fictional character from non-live action visual media, typically anime that one is attracted to and consider, considers a significant other. You ever see those people with those pillows with the anime characters? Yeah, 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 yeah. Those are waifus, generally. Best of luck with from that. Friend. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I also think it pulls off the silent, quote-unquote silent protagonist perfectly. While Ryu never speaks through text in the game, the other characters often react to them as though he has spoken. I always interpret it as the game giving the player more agency by allowing you to speak for Ryu and have a little bit of latitude with how you imagine his personality to be. Other things I loved quickly listed off here are the art style, the humor, the battle command menu, the fairy village the Guardian slash Dragon storyline, and the awesome fishing minigame. Coincidentally, I recently started playing through uh, Breath of Fire 4. I was reflecting back over the last year, thinking of how little video games I've played, probably the last year of my life since I was five. The, 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 least, have... the least of any year in my life since I was Oh, the five. least of any year. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I just, I I'm laughing at the thought of him saying last year was probably the last year of my life <laughs> since I was five. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. Uh, I've spent a lot more time and focus on exercising, reading, and spending time with my wife and three kids. I guess I just have my priorities out of whack. Well, I'd say so. Yeah. Well, no longer, my friends. I plan to neglect as many constructive things in my life as necessary to get more of Quality video game time in it. That's what I like to hear. Welcome to Degeneration Nation. (laughs) I've kicked it off this year with Breath of Fire 4. I played the game when it first came out around 2002. I remember liking it, but hadn't revisited it since. So far, I'm about 10 hours in, and I'm really enjoying it. I'm not trying to compare it to Breath of Fire 3, to be fair. The story has piqued my interest, which is key early on in an RPG. The characters are pretty cool, except for Skyus, the stupid, stuttering mutt. And the music and art style is engaging. Unfortunately, the fishing minigame is just okay and kind of a time suck. So I am doing everything I can to avoid the urge to plow through the actual game. Question, have any of you played have any of you ever played a sequel to a game you love and perhaps underrated it because it didn't live up to how you felt about the previous game? Final Fantasy IX was a bit like that for me because of my love for Final Fantasy VII, but when I replayed IX a few years ago, I liked it quite a bit. I, I thought, thought the they were Chrono- going to say Final Fantasy VIII there for a second because they're like, <laughs> oh, I played nine. Anyways. <laughs> I thought the Chrono Cross, I thought that uh, Chrono Cross fell into this category for me, but when I replayed it two years ago, I realized it was, in fact, utter trash. Ouch. That's all I got for now. Peace out, Alex, J, Rob, OG, emailer, Bed Woodring, and the rest of the regular emailers and listeners. I think Chrono um, Cross is a prime example of that for sure. Yeah. I'm trying to think of another example of that. Tactics, um, kind of. <clears throat> oh, I say tactics, that is. Kind of. I don't know if I really... All of the examples that I can think of are ones where, like, the second one 
actually really isn't very good. Like yeah, Mega Man X three is that for me? Oh, where is it's it? Like yeah, it's really not that great. Um, I'm trying to think of another one that I put on. like Mario Mario two for me. Just isn't good. I guess I'd be another one. Yeah, I I was never crazy about Mario two until that down played it and was like, oh okay yeah that's right this is was pretty freaking good yeah um just to go back a bit on uh breath of fire 3 uh to give just a quick thing about it um it's one of those games where the first thing you think of after you play it is the story it's it's surprising um there's some legit twists that happened that oh, yeah. took me off guard one of them was pretty obvious but the second one was like whoa wait a second okay um, which I really liked. Um, and I also think it's an interesting game in retrospect in that um, a lot of other PlayStation role-playing games at the time were making these big, ambitious leaps forward, like Final Fantasy VII with the sweeping epic story and all these different settings and set pieces and, you know, the graphics, the 3D graphics and all, and, uh, you know, Xenogears and, and games like Grandia that are trying to reinvent the wheel with the battle system. Whereas Breath of Fire 3 is pretty freaking standard, traditional, turn-based, oh, yeah. role-playing game stuff. Um, which I really appreciate, because I really, you know, it's a good reminder of like, oh, this is why this style of game is fun. So, sure. I liked it a lot. But cool. I think I liked Breath of Fire 2 better, personally, but 3 was definitely not bad at all. One, now that I think about it, give it a little bit more thought... Uh, I think X-Wing versus TIE Fighter might fit that because oh. first there was X-Wing, which was really good. Then there was TIE Fighter, which was phenomenal. And then after that came X-Wing versus TIE Fighter, which wasn't as good as TIE Fighter. So it's, so when you play at the time, it's like, you know, you want something better than the last one. And it's not. So, you know, at the time when it comes out, just kind of like he was saying, it's like, oh, this isn't that great. But looking back on it, it's still a very, very good game. It's just not as good as the game that came before, which happened to be like one of the best games ever made. One I just thought of was Age of Empires 3. I kind of ignored it. Um, That's a good one. I was so into Age of Mythology. Um, and Age of Empires 3 is pretty freaking good. <laughs> the thing is, yeah, Age of Mythology came out, and then it had the Titans expansion, which was freaking sweet. Um, then, um, yeah, then Age of Empires 3, I, I want to say it came out not too long after the expansion. Um, hmm. And I just kind of was like, whatever, I'm happy with this game. And it turns out, yeah, of course, it's Age of Empires. It's pretty good. So, yeah. All right. Next one is from Andrew. Andrew says, hello to thee and thine. I'll dispense with the wordiness this time around. Hopefully I make it in time for the recording. I once owned Doc Martin's sandals and they were platformers in and of themselves. Were they, but were they 2D? No. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jay. Thank you. Got get, get that out of here. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> that said, <laughs> here are my top five defining games I may or may not have actually played from the genre. Number five, Donkey Kong. I played this in a pizza arcade when I was five. Uh, I still remember only getting frustrated with it. Uh, I think it's one of the most popular and oldest games I experienced. Didn't play it much, but I think it's a staple. Arriving before the scrolling screen and with 4-bit or 8-bit graphics, this was a less complicated and notably difficult 
mainly because controls are actually not as responsive as they should be, in my more aged opinion. Platformer in a different time. Yeah, I pretty much agree with that, Andrew. Number four, uh, Super Mario World. So I think, by, by the way, some of the... Uh, if, if this one and if any others, and I know we had one previously, if they include any of the games that we banned, that's probably partly on me because on Twitter I was like, here's our top five, and I forgot to mention that they that we're not including some of these Super Mario worlds. So so put the blame on me. Don't blame our listeners. Number four, Super Mario World. I put many hours into this game. It introduced me to a wide variety of game mechanics that I hadn't seen before in a platformer and had a pretty high level of difficulty, if I remember correctly. I don't know. I don't think Super Mario World really had a high difficulty. Alex? What, no. Thoughts? no. I mean, it, it, depending on how much you abuse you know, flying through every level, but even if you don't do that, yeah, it's even not if that you hard. don't, yeah, I feel like it's, it wasn't, yeah, really I'm in agreement game. here. It's definitely easier than Mario three. I would agree with that. Yeah. Is it? Cause Mario yeah, three so. wasn't that Mario three can be, is pretty punishing when you get towards the, the end of oh, the man. eighth oh, really? world in Mario. Yeah. Oh yeah. Gives me a lot of trouble. Same. Okay. Um, my, my favorite addition to this specific entry in the Mario saga was the cape. I loved flying and finding the hidden areas. Number three, Metroid. I've never played this, so I can't actually say, but I've seen it held in such high regard that I had to include it in the list instead of several other platformers I have played. Putting it, it, putting it as my middle pick to be safe, and that's about it. Seems to be a defining game for the genre for sure. <clears throat> Number two, Donkey Kong Country. This game, I completed this jungle... I, I completed this jungle tromping, baddie stomping, gratitude fest many, wow. many times growing <laughs> up. It was only at my grandparents' house, whom I've mentioned before were both avid gamers, each specializing in their own favorite genres. So I only got to play during my extended summer vacations at their house. Anyway, I remember so many distinct elements that this game, that made this game a lasting favorite that I still enjoy running through every few years. The graphics and scenery were breathtaking back in the day, creating a fun and intriguing world which I couldn't wait to explore. The congas and bongos and the jungle levels gave a fun, energetic pizzazz to the gameplay and the music was dreamy underwater. That underwater music was really good. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and, of course, a little pirate tunage thrown in there with some bosses, including Last Fight King K. Rule. The multiplayer aspect made this game great fun, whether you wanted to cooperate or compete. So if my cousins or siblings were getting impatient for their turn, I didn't have to stop hogging the console, but just joined them in. Number one, Super Mario Brothers. This game took many hours for me as well. It was the first platformer I owned at five years old and didn't last long around my house since my bros and I fought over it constantly. Gramps and Grams had it though. I also overbooked my time on this while visiting them in the summers, but never actually beat it, beat it, Till my childhood best friend got a Nintendo in our teens, and I finally nailed that shit to the wall, as the young kids say. <laughs> Definitely the most definitive game in the genre for me. It was revolutionary in my world, as I, to this day, haven't experienced such a well-polished game from that era. From that era. <clears throat> Moving on, I enjoyed the voting process. Word to my comrades who tried to get Metal Gear Solid going. Thanks to Jay for fucking it up by downvoting the game that would have won. Anytime. Let me know what you need. (laughs) 
Jeez, for real though, it was quite exciting, and I appreciated Robert doing J.S. Solid and rekindling that waning bromance. <laughs> now, hey, who said it was waning? Now to it's see, I, that wasn't for me. Don't worry. <laughs> now to see about suffering through Daikatana. I don't have much else to say this time. Keep it real, Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. Um, this one is from Ryan. Jay, why don't you take it away? You got it. <clears throat> uh, Ryan says, oh, is it up now? Is that it? Yep. Well, it starts with okay, just to make sure. Yeah. Uh, Ryan says, been gone for a while due to work and the holidays. I feel behind on all my podcasts. Wait, you listen to more than one podcast? Oh, <laughs> what? We're going to have to block this guy's IP. Anyways, um, he says, I feel behind in all my podcasts, so I'm still not caught up on this one. I plan to finish listening to all the episodes I missed, but I need to write this email to ensure it gets in before you all record next. Uh, you all enjoy Daikatana. I never have heard, excuse me, I, ne I had never heard of the game until I read the book Masters of Doom, which follows the rise and fall of ID Software. The pictures yeah. and reviews, as well as how the book describes describe the game, mean you guys are in for a treat. I'll probably watch a playthrough before the Daikatana Dai episode airs. <clears throat> Over the past two months, when I've had time to play games, it's mainly been NES Zapper games. <laughs> uh, in that time, I've scored decent speedrun leaderboard positions on Duck Hunt, Hogan's Alley, Wild Gunman, and Barker Bill's Trick Shooting. For two weeks, I had the world record on Hogan's Alley Game B, wow. but now I'm third. Damn. Congratulations. That's such a feat. Holy crap. Um, I'm working with a couple of, of guys who regularly speedrun Zapper games to do a speedrun Zapper tournament later this year. We'll see if that happens. <laughs> That's awesome. In honor of Ready Player One, I'm working on speedruns for all games they had to play to find Halliday's Egg. The list of games are Joust, Dungeons and Daggerath, Pac-Man, Zork 1, Black Tiger, Tempest, and Adventure. Wow. I've completed Joust on the NES and Adventure game one. I attempted an arcade version of Joust, but the enemies move super fast. To be true to the book, I need to complete Adventure game two, which allows you to find the Warren uh, Robinette room. Considered the first Easter egg of video games. Oh, that's super cool. Um, I don't have much for the top five, but I've been enjoying some of the newer platformers by indie developers that have retro themes, like Shovel Knight and Messenger. Uh, look forward to hearing your guys' input. God bless, Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. Have, Thank either, you, Ryan. have either of you all watched or read Ready Player One? I no. watched part of it. I didn't I didn't like it. I, I have get into heard it. such conflicting things about both the book and movie. I haven't. Now, I will say I don't like a lot of new movies. Like a lot of stuff's coming Same. out, so I might be super biased. But I was not a fan of it. Like I turned it off like halfway through. Okay, I can't even I remember the like last really... new movie I saw. Oh yeah, it yeah, was like I it felt very fellow kids kind of cringy to me. But that... <laughs> that's kind. Of, I've heard that, but then I've also heard like, no, it's so good. You got to see it. Yeah. I kind of feel like um, I'm probably going to lean towards the fellow it, kids. Cringy. If you like a lot of movies that are out today, I would be surprised if you don't like it because it just seems like a lot of people who are very fond of everything that's coming out right now are all about it but maybe that's just a overgeneralization yeah i don't really watch that much new stuff either okay you're you're probably not gonna like that. um <laughs> i had to guess i just well mostly my daughter um i had my daughter just started wanting to go through all the harry potter movies the first one is rough 
the the uh, the kids are not good at acting. I mean, they're they're not really that great no matter what. But the first one is rough with a capital R. Holy I don't crap. really like any of them so far. We've watched three. The, the last one is is good. The last two are pretty good, I would say. So overall, they're characters. not that good then. I mean, they're okay. It's like, in all seriousness, I mean, no offense to the, them, but as like children, they were they're not like amazing actors. So when you get to later later installments of the movies where there's a lot of characters involved and there's other development going on, you don't see that as much, but you get to see kind of the rest of the world, and it's I think it's more enjoyable at that point. Okay, but that's just me. All right, um, Alex, why don't you take this one from uh, Bo? Oh. Hey, dudes. Hey, SNES Drunk. I couldn't really pick five games that defined platforming for me, so here are one, here are the ones that I did come up with. Number five, question mark, question mark. Number four, question mark, question mark. <laughs> so, I think I know where this is going. <laughs> number three, Zelda 2. Oh, okay. I still like this more than Zelda 1. It wow. definitely was one of the first non-Mario platformers I played. A lot of it was just simple pit jumping, but some of the dungeon puzzles were a new and fresh platforming experience for me as a kid. Yeah, I never would have thought of Zelda 2. I've still never played Zelda 2. It's really, really hard. This way here. And unforgiving. and it's It's one of those like outdated structured games where it's like oh you died oh you get a you get to start all the all over all the way at the the princess's corpse back at the palace that's what it seems like it also seems like one's like oh uh hopefully you think to and uh, correct me if i'm wrong but from what from what little i've seen it looks like one of these games where it's like hopefully you uh walked into this random house and talked to this guy because some of that's there because yeah. now you can't do anything if you didn't talk to him <laughs> right like star tropics where it's like oh you need to talk to this specific person this time or the game will just stop if you, <laughs> if you don't oh that's yeah. so bad yeah yeah that's outdated stuff like that right so number two is wizards and warriors this game is 100 percent about hard as balls frustrating oh, wow. platforming and platform mazes yeah I still have fond memories of it. Tools, keys, enemies from every direction, damage boosting required to get some places, all common platforming trends still seen today. That's a good pick, but the one thing I don't like about that game is your sword attack, where you just kind of like jump into stuff. <laughs> yep. And you can't exactly really. Yeah, you can't really like stop and swing because it, it doesn't really work that way, but, you know. I remember Whatever. like just getting very frustrated by this game. Yeah, yeah, it's not all that player friendly sometimes. Yeah. Uh, number one is Metroid. I'm sure this will be on a lot of lists. It's maybe no. not a true platformer per se, but certainly requires jumping on the platformers to get around with more variance and utility required to get around than the other two on my list. AMA for SNES Drunk. Who's your favorite pony from the modern My Little Pony <laughs> lineup? Speaking of waifus. Is there a My Little Pony named like Steve or nope. Jim? I don't think so. I'll name him for you. Ready? Just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know there's one name. My Rainbow girlfriend Dash. just shouted something from the other room saying I should pick something. So I'm, I'm just going to ignore that. Uh, 
question of the day how are you guys i'm doing okay laid up with a wounded ankle not broken or fractured but still can't walk on it oh i thought that was you saying that that's that was bo no that's bo short and sweet have a good one guys bo thanks bo take care oh that sucks bo yeah take care of your foot ankle leg yeah you need that yeah it's useful (laughs) uh we're doing good i'm doing great and i think you guys are doing good too it sounds like yeah, so I'm far good. so good. <laughs> so far. Okay. Uh thank you, Bo. Next one. Jay, is it your turn or my turn? I think it's your turn. I think you skipped yourself and went to him. I definitely didn't skip myself, but I'll take the last really? one anyways. Because it's from Chase the Night Cleaner. Oh yeah. Hello, gentlemen, and SNES drunk. Oh wow, is that a dig? Damn. Wait a I second. See what you did there. I'm not a gentleman? Sick burn. Chase? You're a gentle <laughs> lord, Alex. How has this show gone so far? I think it's gone great. Yeah. Uh, I left this email to the very last minute, so let's jump into it. Chase's number one platformer that helped re-star define the genre. What are we naming Kingdom Hearts titles now? Number one... Uh, Terraria for everything. You heard me. This game is contemporary, but took all the right lessons for all the games that came before. It's like if Minecraft and Super Metroid had a baby. It is the ultimate utility platformer that has uh, effectively redefined what you ought to consider the new gold standard of platformers. The longer you play, the more abilities you get and things you can make, and it's multiplayer. Your actions impact the vast world you inhabit, and most importantly, You can manipulate the environment to your own desires. The platforming in this uh, game is pretty slick, and you get access to lots of cool tools and abilities. This is a genre redefiner, but I put it at the top of the list with Rayman Legends, nice, for what you should consider the absolute best platformer in contemporary gaming. Uh, Yes, I think I would consider Rayman Legends the best platformer in contemporary gaming, Chase. And now for the question of the day. What is one of the strangest comments you've you've ever received relating to your podcast or an, oh this is good or in Alex's case show? Uh, I'm guessing Alex is probably going to have much better answers to us considering he gets uh, the benefit of having YouTube comments. Yeah, I don't think we've gotten anything too weird. Robert. I don't think we've got any super strange comments about the uh, podcast either. Like nobody's like tried to meet up or anything weird like that. Like. I don't think- <laughs> Yeah, no. Um, I feel like all yeah, of our yeah, all our stuff has been pretty solid. Pretty like. Yeah, thank you guys for not being weird. Yeah, thanks for not being <laughs> weird. Alex, what do you have though? Alex has got a laundry list. <laughs> yeah, well, more than that. In fact, I actually have a section of my Discord channel uh, dedicated to the comment of the day. <laughs> oh, no. oh, that's right. I remember that. So the weird, you know, I, I get people telling me to like die AIDS, nice. and all sorts of classy Classic. stuff. But um, there is one guy in particular named Nate Joe who tends to think that every video is like streaming in real time. So when he comments, he comments like eight or nine times in a row with like just one thing. I think he thinks it's a chat room or something. And it's complete non sequitur stuff like there's no way you could do that if you get hit by the lightning. 
You know, like, and it's just like, what are you even talking? What are you referring to? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's the so, basic. Yeah, he he. Co I'm looking at one right now for the the video that posted today. He posted like nine comments in a row, and I have no idea what the heck he's talking about. And he's like, oh, good move. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, I oh, did I see it in that. a book, but nobody ever did it, so that could have been a lie trick in the book. <laughs> and then there's another one. You can open up a portal. I forget which one. It was on PlayStation. And I'm just like, dude, you're you. I don't. I don't know. Oh my gosh. Let, let him have it. That's amazing. <laughs> that really is amazing. I'm so he's my favorite. <laughs> I don't think I can beat that. I'm just <clears throat> scrolling through your Discord. Uh, here's one. My dad doesn't like video games. He grew up in the mountains. This is all one run, one run on sentence. My dad doesn't like video games. He grew up in the mountains of Virginia hunting for a living. He didn't have electricity. He had a coal stove and a wood stove and did all sorts of jobs. I love hearing stories from the old days from my old man. And that's posted <laughs> on a let's play I did of Mega Man X2 from like five years ago. <laughs> I'm going to come onto your channel. Stuff and it starts commenting really weird shit. <laughs> just non sequitur. Yeah. Just stuff. Uh, hold on. These are great. I gotta see if there's any more that that are. <laughs> oh really yeah, they get. There's um, some bad ones. Yeah. Here's why don't you just die of AIDS, dude? <laughs> <laughs> it's like what has to be like. How miserable do you have to be like in your everyday life to, <laughs> like, to yeah. casually say that to somebody? Yeah. How do you get to that point? I don't know. I, I hope I never find out. Well, this is, uh, I'll have to pay more attention to this channel from now on because, uh, this is classic. Well, yeah, I don't check it, the comments all that often. I usually only do, uh, on days that video videos post, but most stuff, a lot of like real bad stuff will go into the quote unquote held for review section. Uh, -huh. uh some of them will even go into spam and going in there is, oh. uh, is, da <laughs> oh, wow. is dangerous. I can only imagine. So I try and stay out of there, like unless I'm I'm just bored and I want to see what's in there. That's yeah. a good strategy. It's like don't go to the like bottom comments on a Reddit thread. Like you know, don't expand. Like, huh, I wonder. I wonder why this is downvoted. <laughs> yeah. And, like, like, oh, that would. All right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. Awesome. Thank you very much. Oh no, wait. Chase. Rest of Chase's email. He says that's all I have uh, for today, gentlemen. Let. Left this one a bit too late and didn't have time to flesh it out. Th thanks, as always, for this great section of your podcast. Thank you, Snestrunk, for your deeply entertaining show and equally entertaining Discord channel, as we've <laughs> just established. Uh, cheers and enjoy the rest of your night. Chase the Night Cleaner. Cheers. Just Thank one you. note on Terraria, since he brought it up. Uh, that is one of those games that I am tr desperately trying to stay away from because I know if I start playing it, I will never be able to stop. But I do hope to, to play it um, <laughs> soon. I know I, it's like f several years old now, but yeah, I tried uh, playing it a couple times, and I never really got sucked into it. I kind of got to where like I would get just sort of get started, and then like kind of like early on. I think this is mostly just an early on in the game type thing, and I sort of would hit this little wall and uh, just not feel like going past it, but like. At night, you basically just have to like sit inside your house. Uh, unless... uh, kind of. You can you, when you get stronger, you can do whatever you want. But, yeah. Okay, but that's what I'm saying. Like at at the beginning, uh -huh. when you first start. Yeah. Playing. At the beginning. Yep. And like, so I got would just get sick of that, and I would just get bored, like of just like sitting there waiting for it to be day again, and then I'd be like, oh, I don't really like this game. 
It's dumb. Right. It's fun to play with people. But yeah, I think it. If you do get past that, it sounds like it's super fun. Well, I got super into Stardew Stardew Valley a a few years ago. (laughs) I I put like two hundred hours into that thing. Oh wow! Yeah, um, pretty quickly. (laughs) So, (laughs) so like that kind of like boring stuff doesn't phase me. (laughs) I just like the the structure of routine and that sort of thing is can be fun. Got it. Yeah, I I got a good probably. I don't know, 30 hours of Stardew Valley. And I really did enjoy it. And then uh, then I just kind of like moved on to other stuff. Right. And uh, I think that's it for emails. So uh, that is just about it for this episode. Uh, really quickly, we can run through a super fast current gaming subcast since we've gone kind of long. Um, anything you guys want to talk about? Any modern stuff that you've been playing that you just want to like shout out real quick? Uh, no, actually, no, I've actually been playing more uh, old school games as of recent. Actually, I've been spending too much time playing games outside of that. So no, actually, I've been really playing anything that's relevant. Alex, anything for you? No, just watch my girlfriend play the Resident Evil 2 remake. Oh, how is it? That's supposed to be really good, right? Yeah, it's, it's looks to be well done. And it's obviously like a huge upgrade over what it was previously. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I was watching something on that, and I was kind of thinking, like, oh, man, I need to go back and play some of the Resident Evil games, even though they're probably not going to hold up all that great. I oh, know. they're they're pretty painful. Yeah, I imagine. <laughs> Just the controls but alone. The remake is pretty slick. Cool. I've been playing a little bit of Stellaris again, and uh, that's been really fun. I won't go into much detail because uh, we're going on super long. But also, I've been playing a, uh, a roguelike that I haven't played yet called uh, The Ground Gives Way. And I forgot... Let's see when it came out. I think it came out like 2000... I, wanna, I could be entirely wrong about this. I think it came out maybe 2014, maybe 2015. Um, and it's a traditional like ASCII graphics roguelike. That, um, it's it's very similar to uh, to Brogue. It, well, I say, I say that. I actually... Take it back. It's really not very similar to Brogue. It is in some ways. Brogue and NetHack and kind of like all that, the the, the super classic style roguelikes. Um, but it does its own sort of twists on a lot of the mechanics and how like food works, for instance, and uh, the character's energy, like your player's, your play- the player character's energy and how that kind of works that uh, makes it, um, I wouldn't say it's as good as Brogue and NetHack and stuff like that. But uh, it, it does some really cool things with the mechanics that uh, kind of gives it its own take on the genre and is still a really fun game. So if you like games like that, uh, pure ASCII graphics roguelikes, I, I would recommend giving The Ground Gives Away a try because uh, I've been having a, a good bit of fun with it. Cool. And with that, I think we're good to go for this episode. Um, quick reminder to everyone, our current game of the quarter is, as you've probably heard mentioned in the emails, Daikatana. We'll be playing that, uh, we'll be discussing that, rather, at the end of March. So if you want to take part in that, you can pick it up on Steam or GOG. It's like 6 or $7, depending on where you get it from. This is the uh, the game made by uh, made by Id back in the day when, when John Romero said that he was going to make you his bitch with this game, and then it turned out to be terrible. <laughs> uh, so that should be fun. It's supposed to be a horrible game. 
I'm looking forward to talking about it. But again, if you want to take part in that, just play it and uh, send us in your thoughts by whenever it is in March that we announce that we're actually going to have the episode where we talk about that one. It'll be, again, near the end of March. Mail us your thoughts about whatever the hell you want to to mail at ClassicGamingPodcast.com, including if you want to take part in the top five, which, again, is top five best game titles for the next episode. Uh, f- uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. Tell all your friends to listen to us. Follow us at ClassGamesCast. I'm at King Octavius. Uh, Alex, where can everybody follow you, find you, watch you, talk to you, give you live updates as you're live streaming your <laughs> video games? My My Little Pony live stream? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, just SNES drunk on pretty much every pl- any every YouTube, Twitter, all that sort of stuff. Just type it in. You'll find me. Gotcha. Um, Alex, thank you as always for, uh, yeah, for coming on. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having us. Fun as always. Yeah, it always is fun. We will do it again sometime in the semi-near future, I'm sure. Uh, Everybody, thank you guys for listening. We'll see you all in two weeks. Until then, uh, I couldn't come up with anything witty to say in time. Get out. (laughs) Until then, get out. Until then, enjoy enjoy playing Kingdom Hearts 3. (laughs) Oh, yeah.